Joan Esposito. Live, local, and progressive. Quite frankly, I get most of my news from you. Joan Esposito. Y'all ready for this? On WCPT 820. Well, it is Friday afternoon. This is Richard Chu filling in for the great Joan Esposito. You may have heard my voice on the family meeting and, of course, part of the family here at WCPT, Chicago's Progressive Talk. Uh, Joan is taking a little bit of a well-deserved break, but she's been she's been tweeting her tail off the last uh, uh, a good part of this morning. Lady B, have you seen some of her? Uh, she's been actively tweeting today. So, hey, what's happening, Joan? Hope you're uh, getting some rest. She was very busy. Uh, this week and the, in the, in the previous couple of weeks, as was Santita, with all the events surrounding um, the upcoming, or I should say now, past election that took place here in Chicago on Tuesday, which we all know the results. And of course, um, a lot of predictions were right. Others were not quite right. Uh, but I will tell you that um, the opportunity to sit in today gives me the opportunity to talk about a few things, obviously the quote unquote uh, recent election in the, in the room, if you will. And uh, we've got some great guests that will be calling in today. Uh, my man Cliff Schechter will be giving us a holler. And we've got two candidates that are running for city council positions in the uh, Chicago Metroplex, uh, one up north and one out west. We'll be getting uh, calls this uh, afternoon from, uh, you've heard from her before, Allison Longenbaugh, who's running for city council in uh, Naperville, and Natalie Ziemba, who's running for city council up in Woodstock. So we're excited to have uh, great folks calling in today and uh, hopefully have a, a good show. Uh, the number here, as always, is 773-763-9278. We'd love to hear from you on any topic, but we certainly have some items we're going to cover today. Lady B will make sure the lines are open and she's doing her thing and keeping me from running the uh, running the show into the ditch. But um, I'm excited to be here, as always. It's wonderful to fill in for Joan and to fill in for Santita. Uh, you'll hear me again on Sunday on the family meeting with the great Eric Grant. And we look forward to bringing you the message here at WCPT every single day of every single week. So let's talk. Let's just dive right in uh, to, to talk a little bit about the election results. So I have three questions. I'll put those questions out there. And then I'm going to talk about a little bit of the uh, some of the specifics behind the results and some of the, of, of the election itself and uh, give some foundation as to the, the, the questions that I'm going to ask you guys to answer or to be able, you know, to chat about, chat a little bit about when you do call in. So the first question is, why do you think Mayor Lightfoot came in third place? I won't say she lost, but many might say uh, being the incumbent, she did lose. She won't be reelected. So why do you think Mayor Lightfoot came in third place? And the uh, second question is, of the other candidates who did not come in first or second place, and those would be, of course, Mayor Lightfoot, uh, uh, Chewy Garcia, Willie Wilson, Jamal Green, Cam Buckner, Sophia King, and Rod Sawyer, in that order, descending order, my question is, of those candidates who did not come in first and second, which were Paul Vallis and Brandon Johnson, who do you think those other candidates will endorse? And will they do it publicly? Will they make it, will they, for, for lack of better words, take a stand and say that this is the person between Paul Vallis and Brandon Johnson that I support going forward? And the reason that I asked that question is one of the things that I um, asked of the candidates over the last couple of weeks and talked about on the family meeting, I asked a very specific question. Only one, per there are eight people that are not going to win. 
there are going to be eight people that have to make a decision as to what they're going to do with their lives after this election is over. And, and this was prior to the initial election. And of course, now we have a runoff on April 4th. So my question is founded in who would they who will they endorse and who do you who do you think they will endorse and why? Um, so the third question is, obviously, with the runoff coming up between Paul Vallis and Brandon Johnson, who received the top two uh, percentiles of vote. Who do you think will make a better mayor of, of the city of Chicago? Now, that's not me asking you, who do you think you're, who, who are you going to vote for? I'm not asking you that. If you want to tell us, great. But I'd really like to know who do you think would be and will make a better mayor? And the reason I ask the question that way is the person you think may make a better mayor of the final two. I'm not talking about the other eight that didn't that didn't um, make it to the quote unquote runoff. Um, but of the of the two, Paul Vallis and Brandon Johnson or Brandon Johnson and Paul Vallis, who do you think will make a better mayor? Now, that person may or may not get elected or win the runoff. But I'd like to know what you guys think. So the three questions are, why do you think Mayor Lightfoot came in third place? And of the three of the other candidates that did not come in first or second, who do you think uh, those candidates will endorse between Brandon Johnson and Paul Vallis? And then third, who do you think between those two, Brandon Johnson and Paul Vallis, will make a better mayor of the city of Chicago? And I'd love to hear from you guys, because this is that time where we go down the, the, the road of determining, you know, finally, who will be the mayor for the next four years with the runoff on April 4th. Uh, ironically, uh, with the two guests, two of the guests that we have calling in, they have elections coming up as well um, in this election season. So it's it's an exciting time in the in the in the northern Illinois region as it relates to uh, our mayoral election and some of the other elections in in surrounding city city and or city council um, elections that are coming down the pike. So just want to get your thoughts on that. Um, I'll present my my thoughts on it as well. But um as we're talking about election results, one of the things that I wanted to to really kind of dive into is um, so here's a thought um, or thought slash question. We have this runoff scenario and basically um, uh, Paul Vallis received a little over 33 percent of the votes of the people that did vote. And Brandon Johnson received a little over 20 percent of the folks that um, actually voted. Now, but what we have to look at, though, is the total number of people who are registered to vote in the city of Chicago and the actual number that did vote. And it may not be shocking uh, to everybody, but I I certainly want to want to talk about that for a moment. Less than a third of the city's registered voters had cast a ballot um, as of uh, the end of Tuesday night when the, when the um, polls closed. Many of those were mail-in ballots, of course, um, and there's some that are still being uh, counted. But the turnout was lower than it was in 2019 and 2015, which is really, really disappointing. Um, and a lot of the community organizers that I've been reading and following are obviously, obviously disappointed, but they're not surprised by the, the poor turnout that took place in Tuesday's election. Um, I think that, you know, by looking, this is the thing, the other, other point of this, is that a record number of people, large, large number of people um, did vote by mail. And there was a higher early voting um, number than it has been in the past, in the recent two elections. But to that end, um, the, the other question or conversation that, that you know, I, I want to you know, sort of touch on is why do 
why is there such a low voter turnout and in here in Chicago? And, you know, I, I think that when I say low, to, low voter turnout, I'm talking about both the mail-in ballots as w- early voting and, of course, day of election uh, voting. And um, I think there are a lot of potential reasons, but some of the things that I'm reading and some of the factors that I'm finding out is that um, uh, there has been low awareness. Now, I find that hard to believe here in Chicago that we had a low awareness of voters, uh, low awareness by the voters of who the candidates were and of the election of the election itself, because uh, the amount of advertising that has taken place is was astronomical. And I'm, I'm shocked. I can I can almost recite some of the ads of, of the leading four or five candidates uh, that I saw on television, that I heard on the radio, that I saw and heard on, on social media. So I, I get the idea that there may be lower awareness. However, I think that um, we have the, the access to the information that we have available to us is pretty high. And but I also think that there is a shift that has taken place and it's a question of which direction it's going to go as it relates to voter awareness in uh, local elections. And I mean local other than the national election. We know that there were record numbers in the 2020 presidential election. Uh, But the one thing that I wonder about is how much and how closely are people paying attention to their local elections, i.e., Uh, We take the top 10 cities in the country and ask the question, what's the percentage of voters who actually registered voters who actually turn out for their mayoral elections and any of their other, uh, you know, sort of city council and uh, local type of elections? Because I think that one of the things that's happened, and this is certainly something that we can find a a very quick uh, point of origin, I guess you could say, is since the pandemic and since the George Floyd um, a protest that took place all over the country. Um, one thing that certainly happened, and this is where I kind of get into a little bit of a conversation with myself sometimes. Did we see a spike in violence during the during the, pan, the height of the pandemic? So we'll call it the summer of 2020. And of course, with the the outpouring of, um, of protests during the George Floyd, the height of the George Floyd um, uh, video on of his murder. And the answer is yes. The data backs that up. So not so much my opinion, but the data does back that up. And so I I wonder, I don't know the answer to this, but I wonder if since then we've seen a lesser interest in local elections because people view that or want to know if they're going to be safe in going to the polls to vote. Now, the sliding rule of that that, uh, assertion on my part is... So then are we going to see an increase in mail-in voting and early voting in elections going forward in the top 10 populated cities in the country? It's a question that I wonder uh, or have certainly running through my mind because uh, that's where the majority, unfortunately, of the violence that took place did take place. And that's where the largest number of people did die from the effects of of COVID um, during the early part of the pandemic. So I wonder if it's not so much that the candidates are not appealing or that people are tired of politics, et cetera, and if it's purely 
tied to something that is right in front of us, and that is the uh, the effect of the pandemic and the effect of um, the violence that's taking place across the country. Chicago is not the most violent uh, crime city in the country. It is not. The data backs that up. I won't tell you all who it is. I do have inf- I do have I have done my research, I should say. But um, Chicago is not the most violent city in the country. Now, another part of what I'm hearing about the reason that the, the turnout was low is that there's been a difficult time in engaging young people. Young people. Um, I'll give you some statistics. The highest voting percentages in the city of Chicago election were between the ages of 55 and 64. Um, the younger voters, uh, those between 18 and, and 24 and 25 and 34, had the lowest uh, lowest turnout. That's incredible. That's a really that's a problem in a city that's a progressive city like Chicago. We should we should have seen a much higher. Uh, voter turnout from people between the ages of 18 and, and 40 because they have they're the ones that have the keys to the kingdom going forward. Now, I do think based on age that one of the reasons that Brandon Johnson did so well uh, statistically, and I said this prior to the actual election, is because his message resonated with a lot of younger voters. I think that that's the and so. Um, this is the interesting thing, and I, I'm going to do some more research and have some more data, hopefully by uh, Sunday's family meeting. And as we go forward, if I sit in again for Joan or for, or for Santita, but one of the things that I think is really um, interesting regarding the age voting as it relates to who got the most amount of votes is how that person appeals to across a cross section of voters. Uh, Paul Vallis got the largest number of votes, and ironically, the highest percentage of voters that did actually show up are in the age bracket that Paul Vallis is in. But counter, not, not counter, but um, um, maybe counterintuitive, Brandon Johnson is in the age group, or as, as most recent, it was closer to the age group that had the lowest number of voters between the ages of 18 and 34. So I wonder how much uh, drafting, and I don't mean that in terms of military draft, but but the effect of pulling you know people through, did Brandon have on the overall election of younger voters? And I wonder how much of an effect did Paul Vallis have on drafting the 55 and above voters? Because from what I've read, he got the highest percentage of voters in that category. And then uh, 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 Brandon Johnson was a close second, not in, just in terms of total votes, but also in terms of that, that uh, voting group age-wise. So, But I think across the board, certainly in Chicago, the, the data proves it, that there was a... Um, uh, there was a there was a lower number of uh, younger voters, and is there an engagement problem there? Is an engagement concern as it relates to the voters that, that are that are in those age groups? So, you know, I think that we've got a, a, across the board throughout the country, we've got an issue with civics. I think that um, too many people have forgotten, or maybe maybe haven't recently studied civics and understand the impact and the power of our governments. And that the government is not a bad thing and the government is not a uh, a harmful thing in the hands of the right people. Um, But that's that's my observation. Um, And I I think that 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 if the government's not performing in a way that the future generations are uh, aligning themselves with, then we may see, unfortunately, certainly with local elections, a larger number of of lower uh, uh, turnout of younger voters. It's a mouthful. 
The third thing that I think is a consideration is um, some people say that there were too many choices um, and that I had on the family meeting, Lady B, Eric and I had a, a person call in and I don't want to mistake, misstate his name. I believe it was from Dan. He called from Northwest Indiana, he called in and he um, said something that I found very um it made me stop and think. And I was telling my wife this. I said, this gentleman called in. He grew up, um, if I believe, he grew up on the southeast side of the city of Chicago, works in Chicago, but lives in Hammond. Um, his choice, he loves it. It's, that's his thing. But he said something that I found really, two things that I found really unique. Um, coming from a, a white American Chicagoland voter, he said, I'm, I was born and raised in Chicago. Um, and Chicago's important to me because I'm one of those people that will, I, if someone doesn't live in the city of Chicago, but they come to the city of Chicago and criticize, they work in the city of Chicago or they visit the city of Chicago, but they come and criticize about how often, how awful the city of Chicago is because of whatever they hear. And we've had callers on all the shows that call in and say, oh, it's so dangerous there. And, the crime. and I'm thinking, OK, you need to stop watching whatever you're watching because that you can you can find that anywhere you want to find it. But here's my point. This gentleman called in and he said, I love the city of Chicago. The city of Chicago is important to me. And he said, I, I look at as a white guy, the population mix in the city of Chicago. And he said, the one thing that I'm worried about, and this isn't, didn't come from Richard Chu. This came from someone who listens to us on, on uh, CPT in the family meeting. He said, I feel that there are too many choices. And he said, what I think is going to happen, he said, is that um, his prediction was that Paul Vallis would probably end up on top because that the number of African-American voters and Hispanic voters were going to be split amongst the other candidates. And this guy was probably right. So I'm waiting. I'm waiting for another report to come through that will help me validate the, where the voting came from in terms of neighborhoods, zip codes and such. And then, of course, uh, whatever exit polling we can find in terms of cultural breakdown. But he, I, I don't think he was wrong. There were, there were and, and some of the other findings and some of the things that I've read have, have, are starting to kind of bear that out, that the one of the issues is that there were so many candidates. I think that that affected voter turnout at, by in terms of the, the number of people and then those that did turn out were so um, split and siphoned off because we had nine candidates running, including the mayor as the incumbent. So I don't have any, any, any data that I can lean on and say that's accurate. However, my uh, little bit of experience and a little bit of common sense says that they may very well have happened. So that's not to say that black folks aren't going to vote for someone white. And it's not going to say that white folks aren't going to vote for someone black. I'm just saying, looking at the percentages. So we have got to take a quick break, you guys. The number is 773-763-9278. I'm Richard Chu sitting in for the great Joan Esposito, and we will be right back. The latest politics. Now, we both took an oath to support and defend the Constitution of the United States. Global news. We do know one thing. 
This tragedy would never have happened but for Russia's needless invasion of Ukraine. And business updates. These are banks that people rely on to get cash. And we need to make sure that they are protected. And factual conversations. WCPT 820. Chicago's Progressive Talk. Chicago's Progressive Talk. WCPT 820. Where facts matter. This is Joan Esposito, live, local, and progressive on WCPT 820. Well, this isn't Joan Esposito. This is Richard Chu from the family meeting, sitting in for the great Joan Esposito. But I'm here uh, kind of holding it down today with Lady B giving me the uh, all the cues and the, and the good stuff to keep us moving forward. Before the break, I was talking about the election results with three questions. Why do you think Mayor Lifewood came in third place? Of the, can- of the other candidates who did not come in first or second, who do you think they will endorse? And that includes the mayor. And then who do you think would be a better mayor for the city of Chicago today, Brandon Johnson or Paul Vallis? And the reason I asked that question, rather than saying, who did you or who will you vote for in the runoff, is because I want to know who you think would be a better mayor and why. So as we were at the break, and we've got, um, we'll have a caller uh, very shortly, so I'm going to shift gears a little bit. Um, I want you guys to sort of think about this for a second, and we'll talk about it through the course of the show. Um, based on who the candidates will endorse, those other candidates, Mayor Lightfoot, Chewy, Willie, Jamal, uh, Cam Buckner, uh, Ms. King, and, and Rod Sawyer, um, who do you think they're going to endorse and why? Because this is a real interesting just sort of math question, if you will. If we, if you look at the numbers and who they're going to endorse, that's going to determine who's going to um, actually win this runoff. Because if everybody that Paul Vallis had voted, everybody that voted for Paul Vallis still votes for him again, that's 173,000 roughly votes. And if everybody that voted for Brandon Johnson votes for him again, that's 88,000, I'm sorry, 104,000 plus votes. So the spread there is, you know, 70, 70 some thousand votes. The mayor got 88,000, Chewy got 70, Willie got 49, Jamal got 10, Cam got 9, Miss uh, um, King got uh, 6, and Rod got 2. So the math on that says that the difference is going to be made with by the people, but it's been two camps. If we were to say that Brandon and Paul hold the line in terms of who voted for them, and those folks come back out and vote for them again in the runoff, then, then the two the two uh, items that are going to make the difference in the runoff are this. One, who those candidates that did not come in first and, and or second endorse and how many of their voters are going to get out and support the candidate that those um, folks will endorse. So that means will those other um, folks endorse um, uh, publicly, privately, whatever the matter is, but that's going to carry a lot of weight, because if we say that that Paul and, and Brandon hold their numbers, then the difference is going to be made in, in one category, who endorses whom, and two, what kind of push can Brandon and or Paul get to bring out voters that did not vote, that are registered but didn't vote in this um, election on this past Tuesday? In other words, what can be done to inspire um, the folks that stayed at home to come out and vote uh, on, on April 4th. So in my observation, what that's going to how that's going to uh, sort of bake itself out is going to be money. And I am 
not going to be bashful in saying this, but I believe that Paul Vallis is going to have a war chest of suburban white money coming his way to push him across the finish line. I just do. I'd be lying if I didn't say that because that's what I think is going to happen. And I'm going back to something I said earlier, and I don't care if people think it's controversial, but it's true. A large amount of the political dollars that have always come into the city of Chicago, going back 50, 60, 70 years, have always come from white suburban communities. Because Chicago is the epicenter of the Midwest. It's the epicenter of Illinois, Cook County, and all the rest. It's the epicenter of the Midwest. So... If we look at how dollars have moved around and just in the city of Chicago, when it comes to education, we can look at our schools and figure that one out. We can then look at our, look, the greater Cook County and figure that out. So this is what you guys have to look at. You have to look at this from a lens of um, not pointing fingers, which I'm not doing. I'm pointing out some things that are historical in our community. So we're going to talk about that. Um, we're going to have a caller um, my man, Cliff Schechter, is, is shortly um, uh, going to get to us. I think he's going in now. But l- listen, guys, we're going to talk about this a little bit more. We'll probably talk about it again on Sunday. But the dollar amounts that are going to flow in to the respective campaigns will be one of the defining pieces of this runoff. I'm telling you that's going to happen. I have enough suburban friends that don't live in the city of Chicago but work here. Or spend a re- they have business interest in the city of Chicago, but they've chosen to live outside of the city and or outside of the county. And you all know, let's just be honest, one of the critiques that Paul Vallis took, rightfully so, is that he resided in uh, Palos. And last year, right before the deadline, before the election season really hit full stride, he rented a, an apartment and is leasing a space in Bridgeview. So, um, I'm sorry, Bridgeport, my bad. So come on, y'all, let's not lie to each other here. He did that under the wire, made, it, you know, made the cutoff, so I'm not criticizing that he made the cutoff. But the dude didn't live here for the last five, three, five, ten years. He didn't. So am I, am I criticizing Paul? Am I tipping my hand to say who I favor or don't favor? I'm asking you all the questions, so I don't, get to, I don't have to answer my own question. I'm asking you guys. Who do you think is going to be a better mayor? And what do you think is going to be, what are going to be the factors that will influence the uh, April 4th election? I'm telling you, the, the endorsement, the, two, the, the, the three things, 2.5 things are the endorsements of the other seven uh, candidates. That's going to be at the top of the list. Because if the numbers hold true, then that's going to be that will be the first thing you got to look at. The second thing is um, the if number if how many people come out that didn't vote that are going to vote in this next election. That's going to be the second thing. And what the candidates can do, uh, Brandon and Paul, to get those people out to vote for them. And then the second and a half, the two point five will be how much money each of those candidates will get to to push that agenda along in terms of the number of people that are going to come out. I'm telling you, that's the key. Those two things or 2.5 things are going to make the difference. It's not how good Brandon is or how good Paul is, and they both are good in their respective areas. I have differences of opinion with them on in, the, in, in both of some of their areas, but that's going to be um, what makes the, uh, the difference in, the, in the, um, the April 4th runoff. So, Lady B, has, uh, has Cliff made it, made it through yet? Not yet? Okay. All right. We'll keep going. Um, 
We got we got to take a little break, guys. The number is 773-763-9278. This is Richard Chu sitting in for the great Joan Esposito. We'll be right back. Joan Esposito, live, local, and progressive on WCPT Willow Springs, is powered by ComEd. See how ComEd is preparing for a clean energy future at ComEd.com slash clean energy. Attention, everyone. Don't turn that dial. Joan Esposito, live, local, and progressive, returns right now on WCPT 820. And we are right back. This is Richard. Uh, we are back. We were right back. This is Richard Chu sitting in for the great Joan Esposito. Um, callers are filling up. Looks like folks are got something to say about our three questions, Lady B. So, um, all right. So, who do you think? Why do you think Mayor Lightfoot uh, came in third place? Uh, the candidates that did not come in first or second. Um, who do you think that those candidates will endorse between Brandon Johnson and, and uh, Paul Vallis? And then third. Who do you think Paul Vallis will make a better mayor, uh, Brandon Johnson or Paul Vallis? So there we go. Just repeating them very quickly. We're going to grab some calls, and the Lady B is trying to uh, lock in. Let's let's take uh, let's take uh, let's get Cliff on the line. Cool. Well, listen, guys, we got um, a man uh, from Blue Amp Channel, uh, and uh, also known as uh, Cliff Schechter. How you doing, man? I'm doing great. How you doing, pal? I'm doing good. I'm doing good. So you know, we had an election here in Chicago this pat this week. I know that. Like, a, you had like I think about fifty-seven people running for mayor. It was fifty-nine, man. When you say fifty-seven, you leave some, leaving somebody out. We have fifty-nine people <laughs> running for mayor. You and I threw our hats in at the at the eleventh hour. Are you actually being serious? Because I was just making up a number. No, we had nine people, but still, dang. I wouldn't be surprised, man. I grew up in New York, where I swear that sometimes you know you never know. Okay, so nine people ran. Nine people ran. Um, the incumbent, the, the incumbent uh, you got to tell me what happened. I feel bad. I should know that. No, no, no. That's okay. I mean, I, you, you, I got a couple things I want to run by you anyhow. So this is what happened. We had nine people running. The uh, current mayor, uh, the incumbent, Lori Lightfoot, uh, as we are dr- uh, driven here in Chicago with the, uh, uh, the, if the candidate, if a singular candidate doesn't get 50% or greater, right. then the top two go into a runoff. So mm-hmm. as it turns out. Like the Georgia kind of thing. Yeah, I mean, as other cities have that, and they have the uh, the uh, ranked choice voting, so that's what happened here. And this, I think, this has happened the last three mayoral elections. I could be, I know the last two, this one in, in uh, 2019. So, yeah, am I right in hearing that she came in third? She came in third. Check this out. So she wow. she got 88,000 uh, or 17 percent of the votes. The second per- place person, Brandon Johnson, got 104,000, which is 20 percent of the votes, and the number one person got 173,000, um, which is Paul Valley. Uh, or 33% of the votes. So, so Chewy Garcia didn't even come in the top three? No, he was uh, he was behind the mayor at 70,000. He only got 13% of the wow. votes. So, yeah, I mean, but there's a lot of different... I was just talking about this before um, you came on. They asking the question, so why was it... Why was the... Um, why did the mayor, uh, the incumbent mayor, uh, not come in first or second? And, you know, there's a whole bunch of reasons why or thoughts behind it. But I think the number one reason that we're seeing now as things are baking themselves out is that voter turnout was incredibly low. It was only, I think, uh, looking at my data again, I think, uh, Cliff, it was like 25 percent of the registered voters in the city of Chicago. That's horrible. And it is horrible, especially considering, like, you know, more recently we've really had 
huge turnout, but you know, in elections, but maybe that turnout was based on everybody looking at how the crazy right, you know, has hijacked the Supreme Court and all the you know, the, and all the nuttery around Trump, and maybe that didn't apply here because I have to assume most of the people running were Democrats, right? So well, that you you, fear. you would have thought, but that, but that's sort of the counterintuitive way. It's sort of like, all right, well, what's the opposite way of thinking about something positive? You would have thought that okay, we don't have the Supreme Court. Uh, influence in our voting here in Chicago, in the city of Chicago. Um, so I get what you're saying, and I would have expected the voting to be the percentages to be higher. But I threw something out that I don't know if this is a, if it's relevant. I think it's relevant. But I don't know if it's on point enough. Is that um, the largest percentage of voters were between 55 and 64, and the lowest percentage of voters were between 18 and and, and 40. So. Uh, young folks didn't turn out. Young folks didn't turn out, which is not happening in other um, elections as it relates to local elections and even certainly some of the national uh, turnouts. So I think that that's I, I actually Eric Grant, who's the host of our show on Sunday, the family meeting. Um, he asked a question six months ago. What are the what are progressives really doing across the board as a national message to really, really reach out to younger voters, voters under the age of 50, so to speak? And is it a is it a is it a, um, a uh, what's the word a connected message? That's not the word I'm looking for. But is yeah. it is it a message that's that's coordinated? Thank you. That's that's good enough. I don't know. What are you seeing in that space, Cliff? Well, that's an interesting question, and and you know this kind of surprises me because I have thought that we're doing a lot better, right? Like I, again, a lot of it is based on who the opposition is. And and that probably had a lot to do with this, right? I mean, a lot of the voters, a lot of the voters, you know, younger voters gave giving reasons for why they turned out. For example, in twenty twenty two, had to do with climate change, had to do with the Dobbs decision taking away abortion rights, right? Had to do with with gun safety, um, you know, had to do with student loans and student loan forgiveness, and like the city can't really control any of that. It has no power on any of those issues. I mean, it does within the margins, uh, but that's the problem with having an insane Supreme Court. You guys could pass the smartest gun control law in the country, and they could just undo it. So I don't know if that's that, you know, I'd really love to see data on it. That's part of the reason folks didn't turn out is because it just felt like, you know, we're going to do okay no matter who it is, right? Like, yeah. we all decent people. And, you know, this isn't an, ex- an existential kind of crisis. Well, we're worried that, that you know, we don't, if we don't vote, we may get like some pumpkin head like Jim Jordan. Is, is, is there, right. <laughs> yeah. So 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 with that entree, I'm going to I'm going to shift to some of the national. Uh, I can't I can't expect you to be uh, well read in on what's happening in Chicago politics, even though, you know, Chicago. But listen, man, I, I'm going to shift gears and, and, and ride with your coattails for a minute. Can you believe these fools at Fox? I mean, dang. Come on, man. Can you believe it? Cliff, listen, if you and I told that many lies, and if we BS that many people, they would run our behinds out of town. And, and we would deserve it. Remember, these are the ones who are like, you know, trying to, to create this whole sort of fake uh, story around a conspiracy at Twitter to not allow conservatives to talk because they were taking off messages that were threatening people and stuff like that, right? So yeah. it must be a liberal bias, you know, Elon Musk running this whole stupid thing of his. Um, 
and then you find out at Fox that that's literally what they're into coordinating. They're talking to each other like, we're going to lose our brand, and we, we built it up. Our, <laughs> our brand, I guess, is our brand is lying to everybody about everything and playing to their worst fears and their most base hatreds and the best conspiracies we can come up with. I mean, what a, what a bunch of just despicable, awful, I mean, I'd use four-letter words, but you're on radio. I mean, <laughs> characters here that we're talking, I mean, how could you be so gross? I mean, the, the thing that gets me is, is you know, Sean Hannity is probably, he makes something like, I mean, I remember seeing this guy many years ago, $30 million a year. How much is enough? Yeah. Right? Tucker Carlson was born, it was literally born to the Swanson food, frozen food uh, fortune. Yep. He's an heir, one of the heirs to that. These people don't need money. I'm not saying it makes you a good person if you do this for money, but at least there's a motivation. Like you don't want your family to starve or you don't, you know, you want to, like these guys, they're multi-gazillionaires and and they're willing to destroy lives. They're willing to destroy America. And that's what they're doing in the end. They're like, I mean, democracy always hangs by a thread. Democracy can only last if we all buy into it. And they're convincing a large chunk of the population to no longer buy into it, to no longer accept you know, non, the, the nonviolent campaigning as you know that we have in democracies as a way of determining our government. We're going to storm the Capitol. We're going to kidnap the, 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 the governor. Go- governor. Yeah. Right? You know, we're going to threaten Eric Swalwell's family, so we need you know, like legit threats against his kids so they need protection. Like, you know, we're going to attack Nancy Pelosi's husband with a hammer trying to attack her. I mean, this is what they've created. Yeah. And they're okay with that. And Fox is this the most foolish, just, worst people. And, yeah. and that's no, I mean, and, and you, you laid it out so well. And, and I, I, I appreciate the, uh, the the very good visuals of what they're doing because they are impacting lives. They're causing some people unnecessary uh, safety or, or creating unnecessary safety hazards for folks. Um, and to, to see some of the some of the like I, I was I was having a conversation uh, with my wife about this in terms of, you know, she would the will, will the um, uh, if this trial goes to court. So we've got Dominion suing Fox for one point six billion dollars. And so, you know, talking about this in the, in, the, in the vein of what happens in terms of a trial versus a settlement. And I can't remember who I who I was listening to that said um, that they uh, it may have been Ellie Mustall, but basically was saying what would be great is for this that for for Dominion to not take a settlement from from uh, from Fox because, because the, God, the, I hope they don't. I hope they don't because then and this is this is kind of um, you know where a lot of people don't understand you know perception. If they take a settlement, they're admitting to the crime, essentially. But then the voters, I'm sorry, their supporters, their followers are going to look at it as though, hey, they got through this and everything's OK and we don't have to drop them. Whereas they, to, all, and they could also have a gag order. Right? On a, that's the other part. That's why I hope Dominion hangs in there. If the goods are that good, I hope they can hang in there and they can take this thing to trial because then we get into all the other pieces of a trial proceeding, i.e. discovery. And discovery is going to be a you-know-what. It's going to oh, be a... It's, <laughs> it, what we know already, man, that's a party. I want to get together and have drinks. Hey, man, I, listen, I'm renting the stadium out to invite people over because the discovery on... I'm hey, going to take the bar just so I can get in on this. I mean, I mean like I... <laughs> Cliff, how much fun is that going to be, discovery, if this thing goes to trial? I mean, it would be amazing. And, like, it, as much as you and I have, have sort of 
impish is maybe the right words, devilish sensitive humor and, <laughs> and laugh and whatever. But but it's also important for actually important for democracy. Yep. This Fox News has been a uniquely a uniquely destructive force since 1996, since it went on air yep. in our democracy. It is no coincidence that Fox went on air, and within two years, that was when you first you, you first had Republicans do, going outside of the normal political system to try to impeach Bill Clinton because they couldn't beat him. You know, they tried to do it that way, and they supported the Brooks Brothers riot in Florida that made given us George W. Bush yep. instead of Al Gore, and they supported the Tea Party and showed up and gave it airtime, and even their personalities. And, and, I mean, we could go on this forever when the kind of evil. You know stuff they've, they've participated in. It's worth a couple books at some point. Oh yeah, they, they just they need to be stopped because they're destroying us. I mean, they're making it so that we there's all sorts of folks in rural communities that have become gone way past like conservative to fascist. Yeah, they've been taught things. You know that that play to their fears and their anger and and have no rational grasp of what's really going on out there. It's hard to you, you can't run a democracy in those circumstances. No. Would it be fair to say? Would it be fair to say too uh, to to ride along with what you're saying about when you when you reference rural uh, Americans that are that's what they're watching and you know I, I can go into it as, as you well can too any place of business and we this has been ten twenty years you go into any place of business certainly in the last ten ish years and Fox is the majority aired. Oh station and the fact that i used to work out and they'd have it on the airports like yeah i I forgot about the airports you're right you roll into an any airport in america fox is on most of the the monitors health clubs you know auto repair places just keep on going down the line and to that end i wonder how many people and we've we've talked about this in, in our in our progressive conversations how many people and we're going to go to a break uh, uh, real quickly, Cliff. But how many people have been emotionally impacted to the point oh, of, of they, they've lost their ability f- for discernment? So we're going to take a quick break. I've got my man Cliff Schechter on listening uh, or, or, or speaking with me today. You're listening to Richard Chu uh, sitting in for Joan Esposito. The number is 773-763-9278. We will be right back. Join us for a conversation about living our best lives during the WCPT Health and Wellness Panel, Thursday, March 9th from 4 to 6 p.m. I'll be joined by my co-hosts, Santita Jackson and Patty Vasquez, as we engage health and wellness specialists in the integration of Eastern and Western medicine. Sponsored by Great Lakes Clinical Trials, Chicago Community Acupuncture, Digestive Health Solutions, Mark Drugs, and the Science of Spirituality. Because facts matter. You're listening to WCPT 820. Now back to Joan Esposito. Live, local, and progressive on WCPT 820. This is Richard Chu sitting in for the great Joan Esposito. And speaking of great, I got the great Cliff Schechter, my man, on with me today. Chatting it up about the craziness of Fox. I'm not even going to call him. I'm, even, I'm not gonna, certainly not going to call him Fox News. Uh, and I'm going to stay away from using Fox Corp because I don't want to, you know, get into that whole legal thing. We just call them Fox Entertainment, call them Fox Conspiracy. I mean, the, we should message it as it should be messaged. They should never be accepted as news. And I saw somebody write something pressuring the White House Correspondents Association 
to pull their badges. They shouldn't be allowed in the White, in the White House. Man. They shouldn't be allowed to, to, to do congressional coverage. Democrats, here's what I would say at this point. I used to go on a lot. And for me, it was sort of almost fun because I liked arguing with them because they're idiots. And, you know, it would be fun kind of toying with them. Yeah. I'm not claiming I'm some genius. They're just really dumb. <laughs> but, but, like, but I would say at this point, if you're like me and you're somebody who doesn't have a title, you know, or, or whatever, go on if you want. If you think if you're ready for it, argue with them. But I don't think any Democrat with a title, I don't think any elected official, I don't think any appointed official, anybody that would lend any credence to that station is just harming our cause. They've admitted to you, it's right in front of you, that they lie, cheat, and steal to help the Republican Party. They shared Joe Biden's ads with... That's you know, crazy. Uh, with, with, time. I, I wrote some of those ads, by the way. You know, like I was on that ad. Yeah. I mean, it's... it's 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 I mean, I can't tell you how angry that makes me, you know, the the stuff these guys do and get away with. So I, I would honestly I think the Democrats need to sit down elected members, Congress, you know, the, the White House staff, cabinet officials, you know, ambassadors, anybody with a title. You don't give them the legitimacy. You don't give them interviews. They should get nothing from Biden. You know, I love the fact that already he refused to do that interview with them before the Super Bowl. Right, right. No, that's a good start. And, and let's continue from there and just ostracize. I agree. And and, and that has to be done um, to take a stand. I mean, and I, I wanted to just sort of uh, in terms of taking a stand on the craziness, um, I have to throw this out as well. So we, we know, to your point, and I. I've been following this just like you. The Fox situation needs to be dealt with in a very, very upfront um, way from the Democrats, from the from the progressives, from the progressives, and certainly within the administration. They can't come in anymore. They've got to be they've they've got to be um, put into the into the timeout box, if you will, yep. because they're what they bring is it cannot be trusted. So that being said, as it relates to standing up to mischaracterizations and wrong messaging. I want to get your take during these last few minutes on the um, the way in which Representative Jamie Raskin um, dressed down certain Republicans in the House about referring to the Democratic Party as the as the Democrat Party. You know what I'm talking about, right? I do. And, and I'm glad that he did. And I'm glad finally somebody did. Because it's just so stupid and childish, and I think it's it's long been an example of, to me, a leading indicator of where they were headed. That they're a bunch of clowns, you know. That if you if you're if you you can't even you know find within yourself the modicum of respect for members of the opposing party to call them by the name of their party, and and you know it, where do you expect? Do you, do you think you're gonna have a civil debate after that? Do you think? I mean, it, it's childish. It's stupid, you know, and, and frankly, either they, you know, I liked what Jane Raskin said, either they pull it together and start acting like respectful human beings, which I know won't happen, or just start referring to them as banana Republicans all the time. Yeah. Constantly. Like, that should just be what they should be called. And, and you know, anytime, anytime Republican is going to come out of your mouth, say banana Republican. Yeah. Do the same damn thing they do. I heard someone say that, you know, that the, that the, uh, the members of the House, the Democratic members of the House, uh, shouldn't get triggered by, you know, the, this sort of name-calling thing that's going on. And, and I, I don't agree with that because here's what's happened. Like you said, the messaging, and, and my wife says this a lot of times about, you know, sometimes you got to look at the messaging and what people are saying and go, that's just not right. And you kind of have to call them on it 
in the moment. Right. And, and I'm a, I'm a, I'm the same way. And if there's one thing, and Eric talks about this a lot on the family meeting, that that the, the progressives, Democrats, liberals haven't really done enough is say, I dare you to step across that line again. I dare you to say that that's again. Exactly right. And that's and that's because he did that. And he did that. Right. And, you know, he, he he's what I love about it is he's. I mean, I, listen, you, you and I have lived long enough where we've had family members and friends who've died and who've who've been stricken with with medical issues. And he's in that he's in that oh moment God. right now with his son de- uh, passing away. And now he's battling cancer. In my opinion, I could be wrong as rain, but you probably can get with me on this. He's probably also motivated by the fact, listen, uh, you know, the good Lord may keep me here or he may not. She, he, she, however you want to look at it. And I'm not going to leave this earth if that's if it's my destiny without having spoken up for the things that I believe in. He's not he's no. done. I mean, am I crazy I in saying that? Right. No, I don't think you're crazy at all in saying that. I think people have 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 lots of motivations. I think that's certainly one of the biggest motivations is you feel like you start looking at, you know, what have I accomplished? What have I been able to do? I mean, obviously, terrible tragedy with his son. Um, and, you know, now he's going through what he's going through. And I do think it's some of that. But I would also argue that, thankfully, there is a culture change going on in the Democratic Party. And I don't want to disrespect anybody. You know, like, we've had some of the greatest legislative leaders come out of this older generation of Democrats. Mm-hmm. The problem is is that they kind of grew up during a time when there was so much, there was civility and there were local Republicans. And we were in a different time, and they haven't adjusted to the time we're in. Whereas you get uh, Jamie Raskin, but I'm going to throw in some others. You get an Eric Swalwell. We put clips up, a clip that just went viral on my YouTube, of him dressing down Matt Gates, yep. and ripping him apart. Um, there, there was one the other day of Ruben Gallego doing the same thing. Like, we have this new generation. They're 30, 40, and even 50-somethings mm-hmm. who are Gen X and below. Who, who, you know, who basically the, the world they, they, they've grown up in, it's like the world that I know, has been one where you have to go, I have to go way back to remember the Republicans in the party filled with decent people who were the majority as opposed to the exception. Well, and then the late 80s, early 90s Republican Party now. Yeah, that, that's true. And that's not to say that there were things that they did that they did that were uh, right or better. But the way in which they did them awful, was some awful things back then. But there were some decent people in the party. Right. And now, like, you can count those people on both hands. Yeah. And, and that's a, that's uh, clearly you're, that's such a great point. And I've 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 shared this with a lot of folks, the the age demographic. And we're, we're coming to the top of the hour, Cliff. I'm going to have to yep. let you go. But um. Uh, the, the age demographic is driving a lot of this, and and look at uh, um, Minority Leader Hakeem Jeffries. He's done. I mean, he he's like you. He's brought he's he's grown up in that period of time. He's in his or he's 50, I think he's fifty two years old, and he he's he's not going to allow this. And and you know Swalwell and and Representative Raskin. Mentioning Jeffries because I should have mentioned him. Diego, Katie Porter, Adam Schiff. Yeah, like we have a cadre: Chris Murphy, Brian Schatz in yep. the Senate. Like. Of these these folks at fifties and younger, and and they're not, they're done with it, right? They, they know how to communicate and use newer communications, and they're not going to sit there and just take you know garbage from Republicans. And I think that culture is rubbing off on everybody. I would agree a thousand percent. Hey man, give us a shout on on what's happening with some of your uh, your social media stuff. I know that uh, again. Congrats on on uh, on Blue Amp. What else you got going on as we wrap up? Yeah, I'd say so. Go to at C Schechter, and that's the, that'll get you to, to the the Glamp channel, which is the growing YouTube channel. Uh, I've got it. My email list for raising money for great candidates, and so 
I tell you how to kind of, if, if folks want to join that, we have that up at the YouTube channel, up at my Twitter, which is at Cliff Schechter, uh, doing some PR on some really important things right now, Armenia, trying to prevent another genocide in that part of the world where, where Putin and and, uh, and other kleptocrats like Erdogan are supporting Azerbaijan that's attacking innocent people. Wow. Um, so, you know, it, it's it's stuff I do here nationally, but internationally, so I'm up to a lot. But, um, awesome. You know, but you can find me at, at C. Schechter on, on YouTube or at Cliff Schechter on Twitter and, uh, you know, join the good fight. That's it. All I would say. Hey, man, here's a long-distance high-five. I'm glad you're doing well, brother. I can't wait till we get a chance to, to, to connect and, and, uh, and hang out. Um, next time you happen right. to be making your way through Chicago, let me know. But listen, I'm glad you were able well, to come well, on. Get me some of your pizza. You're down here. I'm getting some of our chili. That's, my, that's what I'm talking about. Hey, guys, we've had the great Cliff Schechter on today. you got to check him out on social media. Uh, Cliff, it's been a joy to have you with us. We greatly appreciate it. Have a safe, safe, safe weekend. And uh, welcome to spring. <laughs> Take care, right. Cliff. You too, buddy. Thanks so much. All right, man. Wow, Lady B. Uh, I, I, that's what I love about having Cliff on. He always he's he's so well read. He's so knowledgeable, and and just you know he's not afraid to say the thing that needs to be said about what's going on with some of this craziness. We're going to take a quick break. Am I right, Lady B? Or do we want to? We're going to do the news. Oh my goodness! We're going to take a break for the news, and when we come back, we're going to have one of our, our friends of uh, WCPT calling in um, to chat about her. City Council race in Naperville. This is Richard Chu sitting in for Joan Esposito. The number is 773-763-9278. We'll be right back. You're the only voice of reason on the radio. You give me hope. Having listened to you every day. Thank you for your clear insight. Always felt a little bit smarter. I listen to you every single day. I keep coming back to this station, and thank you for what you do. On WCPT 820, Chicago's progressive talk. Joan Esposito, live, local, and progressive. The reason that I listen to you from the infamous other side, you will call a spade a spade, and if it's indefensible, you will not defend it. And you know what? I can respect that. On WCPT 820. And we are back. This is Richard Chu sitting in for the great Joan Esposito. Uh, Joan's taking a little bit of a personal day to kind of stretch her feet and legs and all that good stuff. She was been v- very busy the last couple of weeks, as has Santita, with uh, our mayor oral election that just uh, took place on Tuesday. And we have a runoff coming up in a few weeks. But speaking of elections, we have um, uh, with us today calling in. For the second time, uh, a young a young lady, I'll, I'll, I'll say that adoringly and respectfully, that's running for uh, city council in our western uh, neighbor of Naperville. Welcome to the show, Allison. How you doing? I'm good. Thank you so much, Richard, for having me again. You're welcome. I'm glad you could make it and spend some time with us today. I don't know if you had a chance to hear some of um, my lead in on the first hour talking about the uh, the election uh, in Chicago, and of course, you've got your your uh, election coming up on April fourth, correct? That's correct. Yeah, and actually, I didn't listen. I've been running around all day. So. Yeah, that's what I hear. You you got a lot going on. Uh, you got some meeting greets and some other things that are happening. How are things going with the uh, with the with the uh, the election right now with your campaign? It's good, actually. It's it's really good. I mean, it's 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 busy. It's it's frankly exhausting. Um, it's a lot different than the last time because I did run in 2021 and fell short by 57 votes. Um, not going to happen this time. time. It better not. Better not. We're going to do whatever we can to get you across the finish line with <laughs> with the with the winning uh, winning ticket. It's um, there's a lot more 
that we can do this time around because we can get in front of voters. Because last time it was all on Zoom. It was all virtual. So that personal interaction with people, we, we didn't have last time. The forums were all on Zoom. Uh, meet and greets were all on Zoom, which, which was nice for the schedule because, you know, you were able to log off and then, you know, have, have time after that and not have any travel time. But it is a lot more fun getting in front of people. Absolutely. Actually being, being able to meet and greet them and doing a forum in person has a lot more energy than it does on Zoom, obviously. Well, you had uh, you've done the thing that a lot of people won't do, and you stayed in the fight, and that's why you're here again. Um, you know, making your strides in this upcoming election. So, I want to ask kind of a parallel question. Obviously, the mayor's race here in Chicago was on Tuesday, or the election was on Tuesday, and we have a runoff between uh, Brandon Johnson and Paul Vallis. So, the question that I put out to vo- uh, to listeners, I've had three questions. Um, and you don't have to answer these questions. I'm just going to mention what they are. One of them is why did uh, why do people think that Mayor Lightfoot didn't uh, that came in third? Uh, the second one is of the candidates who did not come in first and second, which are Brandon Johnson and Paul Vallis. Who do you think that the other candidates will endorse, and then who will make a better mayor between Brandon and Paul? Now, I'm presenting that to kind of do a parallel with you, not so much on you answering those questions because I don't want to put you in a, in a, in a wacky spot. But what I do want to know is, because the voter turnout was in the, it was sub 30%, it was like 26%. What are you seeing, if anything, or do you have any indicators that tell you what, um, are you going to have a good turnout or not? Or what what kind of measuring uh, sticks have you been looking at to see where you guys might be overall? Okay. Um, is there excitement? Yeah, is, is there excitement? Maybe a better question. Uh, is there excitement? Can you feel a level of excitement when you're out and you've been super busy with different places you've gone and where you're campaigning and, and presentations that you've given and, and meet and greets and so forth? Absolutely. Um, and, and there is a, a definite parallel between Chicago and Naperville because we are also going through a mayor election as well. Our current mayor chose not to run for re-election. He, he served his two terms um, and he chose not to run again. He, he could have, but he chose not to. So we are going to have a new mayor and we are going to have at least three new council members because we have, we have only one incumbent is rerunning. And so hopefully he will get re-elected again. His name is Pat Kelly. He's wonderful. But we will have three brand new council members regardless. So that the entire council is, is going to change um, in April. And so there is a lot of excitement because of that. And so I think that will drive turnout a little bit. But, I mean, bottom line, I mean, turnout, I, I mean, I'm, I'm kind of jealous that you're 26% because our municipal turnout is more like, I don't know, 12 or 14 percent. It's, it's wow. really, really low, which is which is sad given just how important these races are. I mean, this is school board and park board and city council and mayor. And we are making decisions at that level that affect everybody and things that that people truly, truly care about, like whether your garbage is going to get picked up and <laughs> your snow gets removed. And I mean, Naperville's got a big thing on, you know, we actually have leaf pickup where we like rake our leaves into the street and they come and pick it up like that's you know people are on very very passionate about both sides of that but that's the kind of thing that we have that you know comes up in front of city council so people really should care and the the problem is is that 
because things really do work here, like people, people aren't engaged because their garbage is getting picked up mm-hmm. and they can turn on the lights and the snow is, is gone and they rake their leaves out into the street. Like all of that works. And so they feel like, all right, well, I don't have to vote, which is, which is really unfortunate because that kind of thing, you know, could turn. Like you could have extreme candidates in there who say, you know what? I want the library, and our library is the number one in the country, the entire country. Naperville libraries are number one in this budget range. We could have candidates come in and say, you know what? I don't like the books that the mm. Naperville library has. I want them to take those books away. And you know what? Mm. I'm going to vote against the budget. Like, that kind of thing can happen. So it really does matter to people. So are you, all right, so are you speaking to that um, as it relates to voter uh, uh, turnout? Because, listen, in Chicago... I mean, you, yes, uh, I heard what you said about being a little bit admirable, envious of that those that that percentile. I think it should be much higher. And we we have a we had a lower voter turnout in, in ages 18 to 40. But in your in your view of all this. So there's two questions. Why do you think it's at 12? I mean, you kind of said just did it, someone answered it already. But so I'll ask you the why and what can you do about it? Why do you think it's at 12 percent beyond what you just said? And what can you do to increase it so that it's a positive thing rather than reactionary where people are going to go, oh, my God, they're going to take away this. They're going to take away that. I've got to get out to vote. What do you think? So why and what? what? All right. So the 12 percent, I mean, one, again, I think it really does get back to the people are complacent. They're happy. Like, how often do you do you write a Yelp review? Like, do you generally do it when you're happy or when you're pissed off? Like probably when you're pissed off. And if people aren't pissed off, then they're not necessarily voting. So, you know, the 12% is just because of that complacency, but also because it's in April. Like, people aren't used to voting in April. They're used to voting in November. And so I think, frankly, people people forget. And this particular date, Naperville's two school districts have their spring break always the last week of March. Mm-hmm. And in this case, they've got the Monday after that off because it's the teacher day. Wow. And then the Tuesday is election day. So I suspect a lot of people are going to be like, yay, I can take my spring break and go all the way to Tuesday the 4th. Hopefully those people are going to vote early or they voted by mail. But that could that could drive turnout, like low turnout as well, because people just aren't in town to vote. So hopefully that won't happen. And so when we're at forums and when I'm talking, we're like, please make a plan to vote early if you are going away. Yeah. So part of it is, is the complacency part of it is, you know, April people are, people are tired. Like this last, uh, you know, election round for the midterms, like we had people knocking lots of doors multiple times. People are tired from that. So getting our precinct committee people out to knock again can be a challenge. I'm a precinct committee person. And I mean, I walked my precinct, you know, three times, you know, in the last, you know, in, in the fall, and now I'm doing it again. And so sometimes it's hard to get those out. So that's, you know, a reason why, you know, part of it is, well, people, people don't know, and they're fine with how things are going. And so what can we do about it? We can make it exciting for people, we can give them those choices. So I'm, I mean, I, I really enjoy this, like, I enjoy the process of city council. I think when I'm on forums, I try to, you know, convey that sense of excitement. Like we want, we want candidates that people can be excited about voting for. And, you know, hopefully I'm one of those candidates and hopefully that'll be like, yeah, I want to come out and vote for you. (laughs) And they will. Like, I'm I'm serious. Like, I, I hope that that's, 
that that comes across and that makes people want to do it. And so, you know, when I'm knocking at a door and I ask, I'm like, are you going to vote? Well, I don't know. And I'm like, well, you know what? You're, you're kind of obligated to now because you met me. So, <laughs> you know, excitement and, and, you know, like, well, okay. And so, you know, hopefully that turns into votes and people, people do show up. Um, well, tell me. So, so two things, two things to that to that end. All right. So, folks come out and vote. I mean, and obviously, I, 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 love, I love your approach in terms of being out and and you know, let's let's just call it basic. Um, you know, down to the to the to the to the uh, to the local voter campaigning, which is important and and a lost art, frankly, and it's and it's clearly working. But so you get elected. Now you're in the the city council. Then we know that going forward, that there's going to be, there's going to come another election, and there are going to be other elections. What are your thoughts? What do you think you, you're going to do, or want to do, or advocate for to bump up that number, that twelve percent number, uh, to a higher number for future elections, whether it be ones you're running in or other ones, even you know uh, national elections. Um. I mean, probably just, you know, continuing to canvas. I mean, just as a, as a precinct committee person, making sure that I am knocking on the doors of my own precinct, um, you know, offering to other candidates. Um, I mean, I've met a lot of candidates along the way who will be running in, you know, the next November election and, you know, offering to them like, yep, I'll walk with you. I'll walk my precinct with you. If you need help getting petition signatures, like I will, you know, offer my assistance to those candidates to get in front of voters. Cause it's really, I, I truly, truly enjoy canvassing. It's, it's really fun. So offering my assistance for that and continuing to talk about it, continuing to make people aware that these elections are incredibly important, um, increasingly so, and to get it out, especially this next, you know, 2024 election is going to be obviously very, very important. So, um, you know, really just, not not stop the campaigning obviously you know i wouldn't be campaigning for myself but you know helping others asking others where they need assistance and using the the network that i had built up just for my own you know to try to help others yeah so since you were on the last, uh, a few weeks ago uh what have you seen uh, what are some of the indicators that you see feel or hearing about your candidacy from people that you're that you're talking to there's excitement um, when, you know, when I've been at forums, I've had people come up to me afterwards and tell me just how excited they are to vote for me and to say, you know, you are you are very qualified for this. You need to be on council because I, I do have the qualifications. I mean, I've got 30 years of corporate experience. I've been to every city council meeting since 2019. Um, because I really do enjoy it. I, I love going to the meetings. I mean, granted, I'm sitting at home watching it um, in my pajamas, um, but I really do enjoy that. I, I enjoy that. And, yeah, sure, I mean, a lot of the stuff is is boring. I mean, some of it is, but I'm not bored by it. Like, yeah. I truly enjoy it and want to bring that excitement of it, you know, to people. I mean, that's why I've been doing it on social media for so long. It's like, you know, just the joy of, of, of hearing some of these things, some of the, the, you know, the things come up on the agenda and to hear the discussion about it. Like most people didn't know, I didn't know that that type of thing was going on. Like back one of the earlier meetings, you know, they started talking about party houses. Mm-hmm. And those were Airbnbs that 
corporates were, were renting to, so people could have big parties, like bachelorette yeah. parties and Super Bowl parties. And then the neighbors around, like these are neighborhoods. The neighbors the next door were coming out and there'd be beer cans all over and hair extensions and, you know, like <laughs> that kind of thing. And, the, and the, I had no idea that that was going on until I was sitting in these meetings. And so that's how I kind of got started with, you know, just like a random Facebook post. Oh my God, did you know that these party houses existed? And so that turned into me just continuing to going, looking at the agendas and saying, this is what interests me. I'm going to tonight's meeting. Here's what I find interesting. I'll, I'll post about it. And so I would like live tweet about it during the whole meetings. And people, so many people came up to me afterwards. And this is why I ran last time, you know, is that I don't have to watch the meetings because I go right to the rundown on the day after and I find out what happened. I know what happened. So it sounds like it sounds like some areas of Naperville had turned into a modern day um, uh, uh, animal house in some ways. Yes. That's crazy. Well, but that doesn't happen anymore because they actually they don't allow Airbnbs in Naperville anymore because yeah. of that. Yeah. So it was either to write a write an ordinance to figure out how to let you know, those people running Airbnbs, you know, with the, how, you know, the, the room above their garage, mm-hmm. you know, stuff like that, where they're not breaking any rules. Right. Yeah, that's... And unfortunately, then they're penalized by these, these few that are having these huge parties and basically making it, making it worse for everybody else. And so what the city did is said, all right, we're going to put the kibosh on the entire thing and we'll come back and revisit it. And they haven't come back and revisited it. It's because it's, it's been working so far. So yeah. you know, that, that's the kind of thing that, that, that happens. But you know, I, I found that exciting and yeah. like, I truly enjoyed it. Like, I don't find any of this boring. And so, you know, I, w- I want to share that with residents. Like, I'm not I'm not running to, for city council because I think it's going to be a chore. Yeah. And then it's like, oh, yeah, I'm, I, I'm up here for you. And <laughs> here I'm we go gonna, again. Yeah, and... I'm going to do it for you. No, I yeah. really do enjoy it. Yeah. Well, and you know, and that, 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 comes, that comes across. Yeah, that does. And I, and I can hear it in your voice. We're going to we're coming up on a, a little bit of a break. Um, listen, you guys, uh, stay with us. Uh, we got a few more minutes with Allison. She's going to tell us what she's got coming up these next couple of weeks, how to find her, how to follow her, how to support her. But this is Richard Chu sitting in for uh, Joan Esposito. The number is 773-763-9278. We will be right back. The Hal Sparks Radio Program. A lot of times what you're seeing on the Internet, um, imagine, if you will, if someone, a neighbor, a stranger, could paint a different view of the world on all of your windows anytime they wanted to. And all they had to do was get you to open the drapes. And if you looked out them, you would think that's what the world looks like, whether it does or not. Hal Sparks, Saturdays from 11 to 1 on WCPT 820, Chicago's progressive talk. WCPT 820, Chicago's Progressive Talk, where facts matter. This is Joan Esposito, live, local, and progressive on WCPT 820. Hey guys, we're back. This is Richard Chu sitting in for the great Joan Esposito. Uh, I, I see you guys out there, Arturo, Roosevelt, John, Jim, Greg, and Steve from the Gold Coast waiting. I appreciate you guys sitting with us. We're going to get to your calls after we let uh, Allison go. She's got a few things to share with us before she wraps up, uh, before we wrap up today. Allison, as we kind of move out of this segment, let everybody know what you've got coming up. And then how people can find you, how they can support you, how they can get behind you um, and in this upcoming election you have on April 4th. 
All right. So um, first things first, uh, my birthday is tomorrow. Birthday ever because it's, it's a verb. It's March 4th. So oh. it's action. And so this weekend we are we're going to be marching forth. We're going to do a weekend of, of action where we're going to be knocking on 5,000 doors this weekend. Um, so, um, you know, we've got a lot of you know volunteers. If you're in Naperville and you want to join us, um, you know, reach out on my, on my website. We'd love to have you join us. Um, but also we're doing a birthday fundraiser. Um, so, you know, we'd love to have people donate for my birthday. So that would be the best birthday present ever would be to, uh, to donate. We, um, you know, we need to, you know, send out, um, mailers and those cost a lot of money. So some, um, some, some birthday, birthday money into the campaign would be, um, well, well needed. Um, and then finally, we'd love to have, um, supporters march with us in the 4th of, uh, 4th of July, the, uh, I don't even know what month it is. The uh, the St. Patty's Day Parade in Naperville on the 11th. Um, it. It's Saturday the 11th. It kicks off from Naperville North <laughs> High School at 10. We'll be meeting there um, at 9 o'clock. So we would love to have marchers um, join us. You can bring your dog. We'll be handing out uh, candy and beads. And, um, you know, it'll be, it'll be a really good time. So, um, yeah, we'd love to have support for that. There's a link on my website. My, my website and social media is Allison the number four naperville.com and that's the same thing on facebook and twitter and instagram and tiktok as well so those are those are places where we could you know definitely you know use some support right now fantastic listen guys if you have family or friends that, that are in naperville um, that don't know about Allison, as she just said, uh, take a check, check her out at, at her website, uh, get in, in, in the car and drive out and support her upcoming events that she has. Um, she is a strong candidate that's about change, about listening, about getting people excited about being in the political process and making sure that the right candidates are in office to get things done for everybody, certainly, um, not just those who vote, you know, quote, progressive, democratic or liberal, but for everybody that's in a particular uh, uh, community. And Allison definitely exemplifies that. And that's why I'm putting my voice uh, behind her. We've got Allison Loggenbaugh here once again on WCPT. It's been a, a joy to have you here. And like I said before, we really want to get the push and the lean in um, for your efforts. And, and we wish you all the success. If there's another opportunity to have you on before the election, we most certainly will do that. But, Allison, thanks for stopping by, calling in and, and letting our listeners know a little bit more about what you're working on. And we've got our fingers crossed that you're going to cross that finish line ahead of everyone else. So I'm excited for you. And thanks again for calling in. Oh, well, thanks for having me, Richard. It's been a pleasure again. Fantastic. Listen, happy birthday, girl. Look at you. Get the birthday coming up. (laughs) All right, Allison, have a great weekend, and we'll talk soon. All right. Thank you. You too. All right. Bye. Bye now. Yeah, she's she's a she's a great candidate, and she's going to do do good stuff for the Naperville uh, community and the greater uh, area um, out there. And, and sort of the she's in a sort of DuPage Cook County mix where where um, uh, where Naperville, Naperville is. But listen, I want to really quick grab some calls before we have to take another quick break, and I want to go quickly to my man Steve from the Gold Coast. Steve, how are you doing on this Friday afternoon? You staying safe? 
Oh, uh, yeah, all done with work, so I'm going to be vacation for a couple of days. <laughs> Good for you. I figured, like, like everybody else, you know, get home early and avoid the blizzard, which turned out to be a flop. There's no blizzard. We didn't get any snow in Chicago this year. <laughs> I was just telling Lady B that. I was like, we've gotten more, since Thanksgiving, we've gotten more rain than we've gotten snow in terms of accumulation. Isn't that crazy? Oh, yeah. I mean, well, it's just been warm weather, and then every time we've been threatened with a big snowstorm, it just ends up flopping. You know, it's like, oh, well, it was eight inches, six inches, four, two, and then it ends up doing nothing. And then 40. Yeah. It'll be like, oh, what storm? Yeah. Hey, man, I heard you got some answers or, or observations about the three questions that I posed in the first hour. What say you, well, my friend? A little bit late, but uh, so uh, uh, let's see. Help remind me here. So uh, why Lloyd Lightfoot lost? I mean, in part, um, you know, she was just dealt a bad hand. Anybody who was unlucky enough to be in office uh, circa 2020 in a large city, I mean, you were going to take a lot of flack. I mean, you know, it's once in a century kind of event. You had a global pandemic that shut down society as we know it. Schools, uh, entertainment outlets, and employment was affected. And then obviously on top of that, then you compound what happened in, in the uh, post-George Floyd killing uh, period in, in, during that summer. So you had a lot of young people who had nothing else to do. And then this happened, and then you had a lot of civil unrest. And, and then, of course, what you had was, and we've seen this in the past, in the 1960s we saw it, we saw it in the, part of the 80s, um, that you saw a pullback in the part of police. Police saw themselves as embattled. They said, well, well, you know what, we're, we're just going to do the bare minimum in many cases. Mm-hmm. Others said that they're going to retire. Chicago is down by some 1,700 police officers from where we were at our height and what we uh, are supposed to be. And, and as a result, well, I mean, crime skyrocketed. And, and that has pretty much has defined not just Chicago, but many large cities. I said this two yeah. years ago when, when Eric Adams was running in New York. People think that politics is about two different answers to a question. No, it's about de- defining what the question will be. Yeah. And for Eric Adams and Paul Vallis, they have successfully articulated the method that crime is the single most important issue out, out doing anything else, overshadowing all other things. And, and that has resonated. And it's resonated with people who are not just live in the city, but those who do business here, those who uh, rely on tourism here, those in neighborhoods where, quite frankly, you know, they, they experience more crime than anywhere else. Yeah, and and right now, all, all that message resonated again, and that's, and that's the reason that Paul Ballas got what he got in terms of the support. Um, and uh, Brandon Johnson's message with regard to uh, a lot of uh, furthering a lot of progressive ideas um, simply didn't resonate to the same degree. I would argue that he that he certainly is a better alternative than Lori. Uh, Lori sort of was schizophrenic in this regard, and that she was a progressive candidate. Uh, four years ago, and then in order to sort of garner support, she knew she had to move to the center. Mm-hmm. And so it's alienated her the left side. And then, of course, you know, did it get her much support in the middle, you know, versus other people? No. So I, you know, she was sort of left between a rock and a hard place. And, you know, that, that's pretty much why we got what we got with regard to Lori Lightfoot. And I mean, she was dealt a bad hand, but in all fairness, she also was not the easiest person to work with when you talk about when you talk to people who were in the city council and city hall and so forth that uh, she was very combative so uh, yeah you know it, it's not one thing in America we're sort of tempted to look for one thing that the make drive through uh, solution to public policy to, rather than considering a lot of variables yeah and, yeah I mean and going forward I, in terms of who I think will win I think in all likelihood yes Paul Ballas wins because I think that when you poll people, crime is the single most important issue. And right now, it's not 
where we stand on schools and mental health and so forth. Those are important issues, especially for progressives. But even for progressives here, I'm, I'm on here on Lakefront to get a lot of what's called Lakefront liberals. And they're concerned. They're concerned about their property values. They're concerned about their businesses here. They're concerned about all sorts of interests. Um, and, and they're worried about, you know, in, in the wealthiest communities between New York and Los Angeles, they're worried about driving on the street and somebody sticking a gun in their um, face and taking their car or possibly killing them. Yeah. And fear, it's been my experience, trumps everything else. You can, you can. It always has. And, yeah. That, that's, that, and that's, that, that's the nature of us as a, as a, you know, as, as human, as human beings is that fear dictates what we do or don't do and how we do or don't do something. So, you know, you, I, I, I like how you, um, um, integrated, uh, New York City Mayor Eric Adams into, the conversation about that, and um, so so the, so between the two, now you you think that Paul is going to win, but who do you think would be a better mayor between the two, Brandon or Paul? Well, I mean, I'm I'm torn because I, I both like and dislike both candidates on a number of different fronts. I, I, I like Brandon Johnson's uh, progressive politics on a lot of uh, issues in terms of uh, education, in terms of mental health, all of these things, investing in people and communities. Um, but I'm not terribly fond of the teachers union in Chicago being that closely linked to the mayor's office. So I, I do have issues there. Paul Vallis, the same thing, the overemphasis on policing. Um, I, do put, I, I do think we do need police. That certainly is the case. But therein, too, it lies the problem because, you know, if, if you don't really understand how public policy works, you're under the impression that on day one, Paul Dallas is going to hire 1,700 police officers. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's just not going to happen. It takes years. Paul, you know, uh, uh, Steve is going to have to recruit you and me and a bunch of other people just to do the interviews for that many people. Yeah, I mean, it, we, we have increased salaries, benefits. We've done a lot of things that we, we can't keep the people that we have, yet somehow we're going to miraculously, you know, create all of these new Police officers, I don't know. And even assuming that you could, you could, you could double and triple the, the uh, police academy classes and so forth. I and mean, it takes years to create an effective, experienced police officer. Yeah, it you know, doesn't. Just send you out on the street out of police academy and say, all right, go out there and police. And, do <laughs> and the funny thing about that is, to your point, a lot of people you know, don't quite get that. But, um, hey, Steve, listen, as you well know, we've always got to hit these breaks. So thanks for calling in. Thanks for waiting and, and always bringing a great, great message. We're going to uh, we're going to take a quick break. The number is 773-763-9278. We see you out there, Greg, Jim, John, we're, and Arturo. We'll get you on the, on the backside of this break. Joan Esposito, live, local, and progressive on WCPT Willow Springs, is powered by ComEd. See how ComEd is preparing for a clean energy future at comed.com slash clean energy. Don't turn that dial. A dangerous mistake to make. Joan Esposito, live, local, and progressive, returns right now on WCPT 820. If you haven't experienced Hawk Volkswagen of Joliet for yourself, now is a great time. Choose from a huge selection of new Volkswagen models like Jetta, Passat, Tiguan, Atlas, and Atlas Crossover. Over 30 of each in stock. All the hard-to-find trim levels and colors. 
all ready for immediate delivery. Outstanding service, selection, and a first-class service experience. That's why so many have chosen Hawk Volkswagen on Jefferson Street in Joliet. Online at hawkvw.com. We are back, you guys. This is Richard Chu sitting in for the great Joan Esposito, 773-763-9278. So listen, I was uh, told by, the lady be told me by one of the callers, we didn't get Allison's last name, Allison Longenberg who's running for city council in Naperville. And you can check out her website, Google her name, Allison Longenbaugh, and you will be able to pull up information on her, get out there and support her efforts. We've got a few, we're going to keep grabbing these calls because we've got to, we've got some stuff we got to do on this, the last hour of the show. Let's, uh, let's talk to Gregory from Rogers Park. Gregory, you've got some answers. Welcome to the show. And it says that you've got some answers to my three questions. The floor is yours, well, sir. I want to- well, good afternoon, sir. I want to follow your format and uh, state why I thought she lost the election, but I would love for you to do a, a show on her accomplishments. It's not, uh, The post-mortem of Lori Lightfoot's tenure as mayor has to give us time to appreciate all of the great things she did accomplish because we don't want to be in great and not appreciate the service that she did do for all three million of us over the last three, four years. Yep. I agree. Why would that's right. And, and, uh, she's got a whole lot of accomplishments and we need to, we need to acknowledge, we and acknowledge all that, Greg. Not to take your thunder, but I'm going to say this: we had her on the fa- the family meeting, and all the candidates have made their way through the uh, uh, WCPT over the last few months. But the one thing that that I commended her on because we asked her to give herself a grade, and she gave herself a, an A in an area that she deserves, and that is how she helped us get through the uh, through COVID. I'm sorry, but you know nobody's perfect. We always use that as an we know that. But I believe that Mayor Lightfoot, you're right. She has a good resume of things that she got done. And the previous caller, Steve, said something very important. You know, she had a lot of stuff. She was catching a, a load of you-know-what rolling downhill the moment she stepped in office. Let's be honest about that. She got in. Yeah, I, I sometimes thought that the use of the word combative was a little bit sexist because if a dude were saying some of the things that she did in the way in which she did them, he'd be viewed as a strong leader, not sexist. Not, I mean, not, not combative. So I kind of saw that a little bit sexist by some people who were using that. But she has a great resume. How she handled, along with, with President uh, 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 Preckwinkle of Cook County and the, and the governor during COVID, they did a great job. And that was a hard thing to navigate. But anyhow, I'm sorry. I just wanted to ride along with you on what you were saying about her accomplishments. But things that tragically brought her to being just a one-term mayor are in part her communication flaw. I was talking to a middle-aged African-American woman whose cousin or aunt was is one of the African-American older persons, and she was telling me how they were having a side conversation, something about the school board or something, and Lori, instead of being collegial and discussing the details, just sort of shut her down and said, I make the decision, I'm the mayor kind of attitude, and Pat Dow abandoned her, and then... Um, she, uh, so when she had the Latino immigrant refugees put into the school in Woodlawn, and mm-hmm. the African American community thought that was, you know, an uncool use of that empty school that had been closed, and that they should be where the Spanish speaking community was, uh, she didn't make her case through communications, and she could have had a press conference 
this explained that it's important for us to start integrating the city mm-hmm. side by side. She didn't make that case, so the narr- she lost control of the narrative, and she didn't know, being a first-time elected position, politician, that she has to be able to control the narrative in the media so that people can understand what she's trying to attend. She didn't get... The, she did not go along with what she said she was going to do in asking for the council committee hearings to be transcribed or televised. And one of the Sun-Times journalists on Chicago Public Radio was saying, but was that because she couldn't get the horses traded behind the scenes? She couldn't <laughs> get the votes lined up. But, and that, but she didn't explain that. And then even name the alders, or perhaps she didn't want to name them, but she could have said, I couldn't get the votes lined up. I want you all to reach out to all your alders to get those votes. But I still support verbatim legislative history of the committee hearing proceedings or in televising them. And she, she, where was she? No explanation on that. Yeah. Then she's two, one, two, three years late on the master plans for trying to keep the bears in town. The expert said on, on ABC News, I think it was, when she paired with the big $1 billion developer of the South Loop, and they were going to finally propose a dome and everything. That was supposed to have been done one or two years ago. It's probably too late now. But I would say she didn't invite Willie Wilson in to help him after he endorsed her. She didn't take his calls. But I'll say this is probably the biggest thing that alarmed uh, the mainstream community. I don't know if that's cold for the white American community, but in general, everybody, including myself, is alarmed if you're going to have a second wave of riots the next year after the George Floyd historic uprising in protest uh, for these brutality. That's one thing tied to an historic event. Then to have it triggered because the detectives are running around without body cams at 72nd and Racine or something it was in in Inglewood, and they shot the kid. I don't think they killed him, but the gal on the porch across the street said it was a cell phone. We don't know what happened. Now maybe they don't want to have body cams when they're talking to people to get people to confide in them. Uh, off-duty police officers have told me that's why detectives shouldn't have body cams when they're trying to get information from people. But when they're out roaming around like that, I mean, she could have gone right away with her motorcade, held a press conference right there within the hour, yeah. and said, I am going to investigate why this, why this team of detectives don't have body cams. I'm going to get answers to you. I want to hear and know what happened, and I'm on top of it. And that's because one of the things that, and, and that's that's one of those things that is is going to always face uh, elected officials is their timing on on critical issues. So listen, Gregory. Um, here's what I'm going to do. You got to call me back on Sunday. Um, uh, from four to six p.m. on the on the family meeting because I'm humming, I'm coming up on a break and I don't want right. to stop your I'll flow. But the other two questions on Sunday. Yeah, make sure you call in because Eric and I will definitely want to take your call. Just just, just reach out to us then. Um, and but thanks again for calling. I'm gonna grab a few other people. Right. Th- thanks, man, for calling in. The number is seven seven three seven six three nine two seven eight. Let's see uh, who we grab real quickly before the break. Let's uh, let's grab my man Jim here in Chicago. What's going on, Jim? Hi, Rich. The thing that's going to cite this uh, coin flip is the unions. Who's ever the head of the union who thinks he's going to do the best business? If I'm a union leader, I'm going to have my constituency vote for the guy who thinks he's going to promote business the best. That'll be the that'll be the decider of this one. But what kills me is Chicago, be the great labor city it is, should be in the forefront for Medicare for all. 
every day our mayor should announce how he would, if he was president or if he was king of the world, how would we get Medicare for all and how do we expand health care? Those are the most important things facing us as a nation. Yeah. Absolutely. And Chicago should be and Chicago should be number one in that regard. We should lead the nation in a plan for Medicare for all. And uh, whatever candidate, they should batter him with that question during the debates. Anyway, you have a great weekend, Richard. Thank you. Thanks for calling, Jen. Do we have enough time to squeeze in one more, Lady B? All right. So let's go to John in Hammond, Indiana. John, how are you, my friend? Hey, Richard. Are you the John, before you dive in, are you the John that was... Chicago Chicago is important to me, and it's (laughs) important to everybody that can hear my voice. My man, what's going on? Thank you for calling, by the way, and I I couldn't remember your name, but you've been in my brain on that subject, and I just want to, I appreciate you calling in. What's going on? Yeah, well, I'll answer some of your questions. Uh, uh, The first one really is, uh, is, is super profound, why... You know, why, did not, why didn't Lightfoot do better, okay? I mean, let's face it. You know, I, I'm 60 years old, so I remember Richard J. Daly. Uh, mm-hmm. And then, of course, you know, then the interim years with Jane Byrne and Belandic, and then Richard M. Daly. And we had the Chicago machine. It was machine politics, you know. we had, And uh, Steve from, Gold, from the Gold Coast was alluding to this. You know, you had precincts, you had wards, you had committee men. I mean, everybody kind of, they didn't get in line. But there were deals being made. So, for example, church groups, social groups, um, black militants, uh, Polish uh, National Alliance on the north side. Mm-hmm. Um, everybody, they got their input in uh, to the to the proposed candidates, and they they had uh, they got agreements as to what we need in our community, et cetera, et cetera. And then the candidates uh, were kind of selected beforehand. Mm-hmm. So, um, and that was the machine. She was the anti-machine uh, candidate when she won uh, four years ago, yeah. uh, Mayor Lightfoot. So she never really had that base. It was, it was never there. So that, that, that was one thing. Um, with regard, now this goes back to our previous conversation because you were bringing up ranked choice voting. And when I got off the phone with you, I came up with a brilliant idea, and here it is. Okay. With nine candidates, let's just say eight were African-American. Why didn't they do ranked choice voting? They had to they get two votes during those after the debate. They get two votes. You, you could choose one could be yourself, but one must be of a different candidate. And then let's see who these nine people pick and who comes out on top with the nine candidates. That would be the ultimate use of ranked choice voting. You get two votes and one cannot be for yourself. And that would have really been interesting to see. No doubt. You know, Uh, lastly, who would make the best mayor? In my opinion, it would be Brandon Johnson, only for uh, one reason, um, because he smiles. (laughs) He looks like a decent, I'm serious. Okay. He's a decent, God-fearing man. Um, The thing about it is both he and Vallis are, they're slick politicians. Man, I tell you, they got all the answers. I heard Vallis on a, another radio station. My God, you couldn't get a word in edgewise. This guy knew everything. You know? Yeah. And same thing Brandon. Brandon, he was confronted by various people. You know, were you for defunding the police or were you not? Yes or no answer. And he could not give a straight answer. Typical politician. But I would support him, and I think he'd make a good mayor. I think he's intelligent, and he's, he's got wide-open arms. And I think he would embrace all all aspects of society, 
and I think he would be best for Chicago. And those are my opinions. Well, listen, John, thank you for calling in. I appreciate you. I'm glad you heard me put out. There's a guy in Hammond. I just I told Lady B, I said, I can't remember. I think it's Don, but, but you know, I, I, it was John. And I'm so glad that you support not only the family meeting, but the greater WCPT. Keep calling in. We love your your observations. And, and, and I definitely have taken them to heart because I swear when you said Chicago is important to me, that really resonated. So you've uh, you, you've definitely made your great points today. And John, have a great, safe weekend. Are you getting um, more snow there than we're getting here? I'm looking out the window right now, and uh, it's just coming down, but it's, it, yeah, it's starting to stick. So, All right, man. Well, listen, be safe this weekend, and thanks again for calling in, John. Take Thank care. You. Thanks, Richard. Bye. Bye now. There we go. I, I, I See, I, I was close. Don, Ron, John, but we, we got it in there. All right. Let's uh, do we can we grab one? We're going to do okay. We're going to go to a break, you guys. And number seven seven three seven six three nine two seven eight. This is Richard Chu sitting in for the great Joan Esposito. We'll be right back. The Rick Smith Show live weeknights from eight to ten p.m. Look at what's happening. The Rick Smith Show on WCPT eight twenty. Everyone is talking about it. Chicago's progressive talk. This is WCPT eight twenty where facts matter. This is Joan Esposito, live, local, and progressive on WCPT 820. If you are a first-time home buyer, buyer, which means you've not owned a home within the past three years, you need to call Team Hockberg, your trusted local lender. First-time buyers made up 26% of home buyers last year, down from 34% the previous year, which is the lowest it's been in over 40 years. Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac want to turn those numbers around by incentivizing first-time home buyers with substantially lower rates. If you live in in the Chicago area, earn less than $105,700. I had to say that slowly to get it right. If you weren't earn under $105,700 and have not owned a home within the past three years, call Team Hockberg to see if you qualify for amazingly low interest rates. I'm not making this up. The special offer can expire at any time soon, so don't miss your opportunity to secure these low rates. To see if you, your kids, or grandkids qualify for these amazingly low rates, call Team Hockberg now at 855 855- 56david or visit 56david.com. That number again is 855-563-2843 or 56david.com. Lower.com equal housing lender. NMLS 1124061. See, Lady B, I got it in. So listen, guys, um, this is Richard Chu sitting in for the great Joan Esposito. We're going to grab another caller before we have our uh, guest caller in. Let's see, we got... Arturo calling from Mount Prospect. Arturo, what's going on, man? Are you there? He probably put us on mute. Yeah. You know, and I, I get it. He was waiting, and then he had to go get a sandwich, so he put us on mute. Let's uh, let, let's let that sit tight for a second. Let's go to Matt here in Chicago. Matt, are you there? Hey, Richard. Hey, man. How are yeah, you doing? Fine. How you feeling? How you been? Good. Uh, I'm so glad to hear you on a not Sunday. Uh, <laughs> uh, I've got to make this quick because I'm uh, Ubering and I'm about to pick somebody up at the airport. But Go for I'll it. answer your three questions. But I'm much, I'm much calmer and less crazy during the week. <laughs> uh, Warren Lightfoot, 
Lori Lightfoot lost because she happened to become a mayor at the worst possible time. Yeah. Uh, she had too much going on. Corona impacted her like anybody else, except she had to deal with a four million person city and or however many people we have here, and she just could not do it. Uh, my guy's coming, so uh, Brandon Johnson should be mayor, will be mayor, and I agree with him. He smiles. <laughs> he has a great day, and Richard, you straight tripping, boo. Bye. All right, man. Be well. Be safe. So listen, guys, I um, I appreciate Matt calling in, and I know we've got um, a few of the people because the lines are still open, 773-763-9278. So we've had a a really interesting day today, and uh, what I mean by that is I wanted to be able to give uh, folks here in the area the opportunity to chime in on our current, most recent election, and of course, the runoff on April 4th, to also have the ability to talk with and listen to uh, a great candidate uh, and, and a friend, become, becoming a friend of WCPT, uh, Allison Longenbaugh, who's running for city council in our neighboring city of Naperville. We, uh, is, uh, is our next guest uh, already here? Well, good. We have another person that's called in, and I'm going to do a little bit of an introduction as a career evolver, high school English teacher for 10 years, um, st- uh, leveraging her math uh, skills and English, uh, marketing roles, and just being what one would call a connector of people, enjoys conversations on LinkedIn. And listen, if you're familiar with um, the walk to end Alzheimer's, our next guest is the is what I would say the the teacher career uh, uh, professional that's really leaned in hard on the walk to end. Alzheimer's is also a member of the road, a rotary member and is running for city council in the city of Woodstock, Illinois. I'd like to introduce you guys to my good friend and friend of WCPT and the next Woodstock city council member, also known as the notorious ZMB. Welcome to the show, Natalie Ziamba. How are you doing this afternoon? Hey, Richard. How are you? I'm doing great. And yourself? I'm doing really well. It's uh, it's getting a little bit cooler and a little bit more overcast here in beautiful Woodstock, but no snow falling yet, so I'm doing well. I heard that. I, I was uh, looking at um, the weather earlier today thinking, okay, well, like all of us who are from this area, we know how to, we've got to, we, we're very good at planning the what if when it comes to our weather and how we navigate the the roads and how we navigate walking and all the other things that we have to deal with when we have a potential storm coming through. But um, it sounds like, once again, this one sort of passed us by and went a little bit south of the city and and into northwestern Indiana and southwestern Michigan. So um, um, I think we may have I think we may have, quote unquote, dodged another winter bullet. This has been this has been a soft winter, mild winter, in my opinion. I agree. I agree. We've, We've been pretty blessed and pretty lucky especially in this area, you know, north, obviously northwest, uh, north of the city. So we, we've gotten very lucky with the weather. I uh, haven't had to do too much damage control, but there you go. looking forward to, to spring. That's, that's for certain. Well, you've got an election coming up. You're running for Woodstock City Council. And as you may have heard earlier, we had another uh, friend of WCPT on, Allison Longenbaugh, who's running for uh, City Council in Naperville. And you just announced your your campaign a few weeks ago, if I have things correct. 
And I'm excited to hear about that and what what put you in a position where you said, okay, it's it's time to run. And you know, Eric and I from the family meeting are all have have been, you know, kind of teasing you about this is our next senator. Um, but I guess you decided to go ahead and throw your uh, throw your hat in the ring, so to speak. Tell us a little bit about what's happening there. Well, all civic engagement starts at the local level, right? And as you as you know, I'm very engaged and I'm very excited and passionate about policy and positioning at a national level. Yep. But it's taking my core beliefs and really translating those from a macro to a micro level and being true to who I am while simultaneously sort of doing what is right for the citizens, for the residents, and for the taxpayers here in Woodstock. We are a community of just over 25,000 people. And so to take issues that impact millions, tens of millions of people and trying to distill that information down to what is really important at this community level that's going to affect people in the short and long term. And it's really about not just the, the residents and the citizens, but it's about engaging entrepreneurs, business owners. We have a a thriving business district. Uh, People recognize it, of course, because of Groundhog Day. And our square is is just bustling and it's beautiful. But there's more to the town than just that. Um, And it's an important piece. It's the nucleus of our community. The square is wonderful. But what else can we do? And for me, I'm looking sort of long-term. There is a lot that's going to be happening in Woodstock over the next several years. And we are really poised, Richard, to become the largest city in the county of McHenry. So it's something to really think about. I know. Yeah. (laughs) So, you know, Woodstock has has a unique position right now. And if we play our cards right and do the right thing and be... Let me just say this, fiscally responsible, (laughs) we can really position ourselves very well for future development, future growth, and future engagement. And I'm really looking at myself, my campaign, and I want to echo something that Allison said earlier, because I listened to her segment, and Allison, something that really resonated with me, she brought up excitement and enthusiasm. And I really, you know, and you've known me now for a a few years, I don't think anybody could deny that I have a ton of excitement and (laughs) a ton ton of enthusiasm for everything that I do, right? As you mentioned, I'm involved, obviously, with the Alzheimer's Association as a volunteer advocate. I've done 10 walks to end Alzheimer's, and I'm really engaged with that cause. I do a lot of public speaking for it. Um, You know, it's an important Thing for me personally, and I like to be engaged with the community at that level. In fact, I'll be going to D.C. Uh, shortly, in just a couple of weeks, to engage at the national level and pushing important policy. But I'm also involved with Rotary Club, and that is all about community service, serving at the, again, micro level. What can I do right here in my own community as a volunteer? Uh, Service is so important to me. It's what fills my soul. And the more I can do, even at the civic 
engagement level. That's really important. So when she said, when Allison said excitement and enthusiasm, um, I was sort of grinning ear to ear, which of course echoes what John just said, your caller. He said about Brandon Johnson, you know what? Brandon smiled. And I just loved that because that, that excitement, that energy, that positivity, again, it really resonates with me and who I am uh, at my core. That's great to hear. I mean, first of all, thank you for recognizing Allison. And, and, and as you know, I've been trying to get the two of you together um, here on the show, and, and we'll, we'll, we'll patchwork it together over the next few weeks one way or the other. But um, Allison, like you, are strong believers in local community uh, involvement and in, in local uh, issues, and, and you are absolutely right. You guys just don't – those of you who are listening um, – Natalie's superpower, from my experience in working with her, is that she cares about local issues. That's I shouldn't say singular superpower. That's one of her uh, superpowers. She definitely, she's passionate about them. I'm encouraging folks, even though and, uh, she's running for, uh, in a city, in a, in a, for a city council race that's not Chicago, and it's not even in Cook County, but to her point... If you listen to what she just said, the local involvement's important, and she's taking that on just like Allison is in Naperville. And she's also looking at that from a larger lens as it relates to a critical um, health issue with Alzheimer's on a national level. So this is where I I think I heard something earlier today that um, I found really interesting, And, and Allison said this in her segment on why the voting numbers are down Um, You know, Chicago only had 26 percent of the registered voters vote on Tuesday. And she was saying that 12 percent of the folks in Naperville vote voted or are looking to vote in this upcoming election. One of the things that's happened, Natalie, and maybe you can add some some thoughts to this socially, economically, all the other leads that we can we can throw into this conversation that have happened in my observation is that people have become kind of insular and dormant and not involved with some of the local issues that we need to be um, talking about. And to that end, there's a certain amount of of, um, complacency that I think that that's caused Along with, you know, as, as uh, Steve said and a few other people have called in, the fear of not going out of their homes has created this sort of, uh, you know, not not a need or not a push or not a, um, a I don't want to use the word force, but uh, uh, enough energy behind getting out and being involved. I mean, I said a lot of words, but uh, chop that up for me. Sure. Uh, definitely the word that comes to mind is complacency. I think because we don't necessarily think that if we go and vote, our vote is counted. And to me, even some, I was so disappointed to see that, that low turnout in the Chicago mayoral election because that, you, I mean, just a few votes could have made differences, right? Mm-hmm. It's hard to see it that way, but it's very true. And when you're talking even smaller, right, something like a Woodstock City Council, you're hoping a few thousand people come out. So when you're talking about the power of a singular vote, that is what really matters in elections like this, because mm-hmm. it's like, do you want people sitting on council that represents you. And I'm just going to 
use this as an example. Natalie, hold on one second. Hold that thought. We're going to, Lady B just said we need to take a quick break. Number 773-763-9278. We've got Natalie Ziemba running for the city council in Woodstock. We're going to take a a quick break and we'll be right back. This hour of Joan Esposito Live Local and Progressive is brought to you by Team Hochberg. If you want to buy a house or refinance a house, call 855-56-DAVID or visit 56david.com. Joan Esposito, Live Local and Progressive on WCPT 820. And we are back. 773-763-9278. This is Richard Chu sitting in for the great Joan Esposito. On the line, I have the notorious ZMB. Natalie Zambo, who's running for Woodstock <laughs> City Council. <laughs> you know I'm crazy. I, I had I had I had to create I love that for that you. Moniker. That's yeah, that's your new I assigned you a new moniker that you've not had your entire life. Tell me somebody else gave you the notorious ZMB. I wear it with pride. There you Nobody go. Nobody else and I'm I'm proud to accept it. There you go. It's all yours. So you were saying before the break, and I, I didn't mean to cut you off, but we had to grab that break. Go ahead. Yeah. Um, In Woodstock, we have uh, a mayor and then six members of council. Now, during this election, there are three seats that are are open. Mm -hmm. So when a person walks into that, you know, that voting booth or or goes and does a a mail-in, they can vote for up to three. Now, it's interesting because as a voter, you always think, well, they're telling me to vote for three. I need to fill in those three. And you, necess- you don't necessarily have to do that because one vote really, really does make a difference, right? <laughs> and so if somebody were so inclined, they could vote for up to three, but they don't necessarily have to. Uh, and, and one thing that I've been trying to stress to people that I know will vote for me is saying, if you feel confident to walk in and vote for just me, that means your your sort of percentage of the of the pie will go further to ensure I have a victory, right? Mm-hmm. Because voter turnout in this election will probably be relatively low, and here's why. There's nothing super controversial. There's nothing on the ballot that's going to say to the people of Woodstock, like, wow, we better ensure this gets passed or this does not get passed. It's, it's you know, there's some school board uh, uh, elections and then there's city council and there's, you know, two or three other things on the ballot, but there's nothing that's so pressing and controversial that's going to get people super excited and enthusiastic one way or another. So that one vote for somebody like me goes a really, really long way. Um, and it's important for me to have representation on council. And by that, I mean, of the six seats on council, two are currently occupied by women. Those two women are not running again. Mm. So that gives those of us who are women the opportunity to say, since this city, since the the last census proves that 50% of the population in Woodstock is female, women, you should have representation on this council. That matches that. It was a little bit, right, more, you know, more racially and ethnically diverse, but we'll cross that bridge eventually, you know, once we get people more active in in their local government and we can find those candidates to then run in the next election but for now we have to deal with what we have which are men and women um 
running. Right. <laughs> and, you know, we don't have a lot of cultural diversity, but we definitely have a diversity of, you know, male and female. So to me, it's important to have representation on council, um, you know, that that we are, if not going to make up half of council, you know, I'll take... I'll take uh, a third. <laughs> well, I, listen, I'm, I'm, I'm one to say this. I've been saying this for most of my adult life, and <clears throat> I believe it because I was raised in a, in a family of strong men and strong women. I recognize the strength of both men and women. And when men and women work together effectively, um, then a lot, of stuff, a lot of good stuff gets done. Um, and that oh, to me, that, that, so I've never been one to buy into that women are stronger than men or men are stronger than women. We're both equally strong. And when matched up together, you get a lot of stuff done. And I'm talking on any level, on, le- on a family level, on a school level, on a, on a, a political level, a business level and, and mili- in all facets. When people recognize that the other's not less than you, they're equal to you, then you can get all past all that craziness and just go forward. That then leans into the conversation about cultural um, diversity or cu- cultural, I'll say, inclusion is, you know, for me, that's important. But for me, it's also important to have gender inclusion and, and de- gender partnerships because that's how you get stuff done if you don't if you don't work that way things aren't going to get done because everybody will then run for cover they'll protect their territory and you're not going to get any movement so you're right having a balance is a starting point at least uh, uh, gender wise and then someone like you and this is where i'm going with this who i know know personally and professionally is going to take up the mantle that says now that we've made these strides from a gender standpoint, and we want to keep those in place, we have to have more outreach to be more uh, culturally inclusive. I, I trust that that's, I, you know, I trust you and, and like Allison, that you guys are going to be spearheading that uh, as part of your overall uh, dynamic as a, as a leader. Oh, you bet. You bet. Um, you know, one thing that I, I absolutely love about Woodstock is not only do we have, you know, our mayor and our city council, but we have these amazing commissions uh, within local government. So I do plan to work very closely with mainly the Arts Commission, the Cultural and Social Awareness Commission, and the Environmental Commission, because that's where, again, now you're talking super micro level on, on important issues that affect students at school, they affect local businesses, they you know, affect our, our taxpaying residents, and they do things, and one of the main words that I use, and you'll see it on my website, which is electnataliezemba.com, you will see the word attraction. I want to attract not only businesses and entrepreneurs, because I believe in economic growth for this city, but I want to attract more people like me. And by that, I mean young professionals who can pay taxes and help generate that revenue for the city so that we can see some of these larger projects get done and we can support small businesses that are looking to open in Woodstock with some of the additional um, incentives. You need to have taxpayers in order to, to generate that, right? Mm-hmm. And, and that's kind of one of my plans. It's like, how do you attract people that 
want to, you know, they're young families, young professionals. How do you attract those people? The thing that brought me to Woodstock, you know, obviously I, I was born and raised in Chicago, and I'm very proud of that. But moving from a place like, a, you know, a metropolitan place like Chicago with all that it has and all the amenities and the cultural diversity and, and the arts and people are very engaged, right, to a place like Woodstock, what brought me here? It's charming. It's historic. It's beautiful. It's just it, when you come to Woodstock, you feel good. Mm-hmm. Right? It's like it's, you want to be there. Well, how do I tr- attract more of that? How do I attract more Natalie Ziembas and, and people like me that are engaged and excited about this community? So for me, the word attraction is very important. I want more People like me would be the best way I can put it, that are engaged and excited about what's going on and what's to come. Two, I want to get visitors and tourists and people that come in and spend money in this community because it's important to generate that revenue and keep it at a micro level, stimulating the local economy and feeding it itself, right? It's, it's, it's very cyclical. It goes in and it, it feeds the businesses and it feeds the school district and it feeds the good things that we want here. Um, so that's important to kind of have that voice for me at the local level on council, um, you know, attraction. You'll see that definitely uh, on, on my site. And I, and I use it a lot when I talk to people. And, you know, and my tagline for me is really important. As you know, now I'm in the world of marketing. I left education and I love marketing. And I, and I thought, well, as I launch this, you know, it's the first time I've ever run for anything. And people have been encouraging me and asking me for several years, when are you going to run? What are you going to do? You have to run for something. And I started thinking, okay, this is my chance. I'm going to run for council. And I thought, okay, first thing I need to do is kind of come up with a tagline. And for me, it's respecting history, embracing progress, knowing what we have and all of the beauty and the charm and the history here in Woodstock, but also looking ahead and looking forward. And Richard, being okay with that, like being okay to say we're in a good place. We're being financially and fiscally responsible. We have a fiduciary duty to the tax-paying citizens, to the residents, to the business owners here. But we can move forward. But let's do it thoughtfully, respectfully, and and transparently and engage with the people that are here. You know, don't do things behind a closed door or don't make decisions in a silo. Yeah. Be open, be transparent about the decisions that you're making with people's money. So you're not going to really important. You're, you're not going to um, as part of uh, um, <clears throat> your promoting words, you're not going to disrespect history by eliminating books about history of American history, whether it be Polish American history, African American history, Italian American history, <laughs> women's history, tall people's history, short people's history. You got you're going to you're going to respect history. Uh, without disrespecting it and eliminating it. Is that correct? You bet. I mean, you know, this community has so much to be proud of. Um, and there, there is always work to do. Uh, and that would definitely be, and, and I, you obviously know me, so you know what my answer is going to be. Uh, I would never advocate for elimination of 
of any type of material like that. Never, never, never. I, you know, for, for me, it's important, you know, to have availability of things like that. And then it's your choice as, as a student or as a parent to make that choice about what you read, what you make available in your own home. Um, but as far as, as content and as far as availability of things to, to read and enjoy, absolutely, you know, availability, <laughs> accessibility is key. Yeah, well, uh, I say that not not being facetious. I say that realistically, and I, and I know you you stand behind that. Um, you know, Allison was talking about the um, the fact that their library system is one of the best in the nation, and to that end, you know that that's a from for her um, one of her motivations for running is to make sure that something as simple or as massive, if you look at it that way, as their library maintains. Um, it's efficacy and it's a place for people to come to, to learn and, and, to, and, and to, to look at history and to be able to embrace it, um, as, as you say in your tagline, toward strengthening progress. And I think that that yeah. is, is something that's, that's special. And I, and I appreciate the fact that both you and Allison um, are seeing your responsibility as candidates, but then as future city council members to maintain that. Oh, absolutely. And, you know, think of a a library to me as a a bastion of knowledge and whether, you know, it doesn't matter where you lie politically. It's about having information at your fingertips and the ease of access by which you, members of your family, uh, you know, your children, whoever it may be, has access to readily available materials. (laughs) That's like the most basic thing, Um, you know, part of a community is access to and the interpretation of information. So, yeah, yeah, no. (laughs) So I'm not going to I'm not going to box you in with 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 questions, but uh, a couple of things. Obviously, we had a mayor's race and we're still in the mix of it with the runoff on April 4th. Um, and, uh, you know, obviously there's a lot of commentary about, and you've heard some of the things on the show today about why um, Mayor Lightfoot didn't fare as well as she may have wanted or, or thought she might. And then who the candidates will endorse and then who's, who between um, Vallis and Johnson are going to make the better mayor, whether they're elected or not. And those are conversation pieces that are out there. Where I'm going with this with you is a little bit of a shift in conversation um, back to you specifically. What is the reason as two is two questions before we before we let you go what is the singular reason you decided to run and two what is the number one thing you want to get done once you're elected richard the big question all right <laughs> i think i'll go back to number one i'm going to go back to my tagline respecting history embracing progress I am looking at, you know, combining economic development and excitement because there is a lot of it right now. There's a lot of momentum. We've had a lot of really cool media coverage. Um, you know, Today Show, Marriott's Main Street, we were all over the Today Show. We had a local PBS show, John McGivern's Main Street, come out and do an entire episode on Woodstock. Um, so there's a lot of momentum happening right now with all of this coverage and a lot of activity as of late. But while we're looking at economic development, I want to also look ahead very carefully, strategically, and thoughtfully as we move to grow and expand Woodstock, and that I want to make it a desirable location to both live and to do business. So respecting history, embracing progress, being careful about economic development while attracting people 
who want to live and work, do business here. So that's, that's my reason. I mean, I, I'm very passionate about that and I want to do it with transparency and openness. Um, yeah. And, you know, I think because I'm excited and I'm enthusiastic about doing it, hopefully that energy is, is contagious and it gets people to turn out, gets people to vote, gets, and gets, gets young people engaged, right? Um, right. I was speaking today at one of our local businesses, and I was just excited by the, the, the young men that I met and their mission, and they're so driven, and they were appreciative that I came in and had a conversation with them, and I asked them really pointed questions. What do you need? What can the city of Woodstock and what can council do to help you get what you want? Mm -hmm. Because your mission is important and we need people like you uh, on the square. We need people like you in this community. I need more of you. You know, if I'm elected to council, what can I do to give me specifics? And they did. They named things. And I was like, this is what I, this, man, this, this is giving me energy. This is what excites me. I'm, I'm excited. I'm thrilled. So, you know, I, I, I'm running because I believe in this community. I believe in, in the history and the beauty. And I want to just be careful and thoughtful as we move forward um, with all of this momentum. And... What was your second question, Richard? Your number one, your number one thing you want to tackle when you when you uh, when you are elected. Yeah, my number one, and this is going to sound really silly, probably to the majority of listeners. But if you're you're in a town, you know, like like a Woodstock, you'll understand the biggest pressing thing right now. And at my Rotary meeting, our guest speaker today at lunch touched on this and it was like, wow, this is serendipity because the number one issue right now in Woodstock is roads. Huh. It's the condition of our street and it's what everybody talks about. And when you know I follow fix, fix the damn roads. Woodstock, Fix the roads, you know, and it's and it sounds so silly, but it's like no, it's not. How do we? How do we? Well, how do we pay for it? And yeah. how do we pay and maintain the, the basic infrastructure? Because if we're going to grow and expand, and there's all this excitement, and we want to attract businesses and and more residents, and we want people to move into Woodstock, we better take care of things like our roads, and we better be good to things like our sewer and our lead pipes, and our, we have to look at our basic infrastructure and can it handle the influx of, of people and business and more traffic and tourists and visitors? Can it handle it? And so roads, honestly, is like it's the number one thing. Everybody's buzzing about it on our Facebook groups and on, on all of the social media groups that I follow within this community. Roads, roads, roads keep coming up. Our streets need to be repaired. Our streets need to be taken care of and maintained. Uh, and there are definitely plans. There, there's money in the budget to do just that. It just That's takes excellent. time. Things like that. Yeah, it takes time. Well, here's a th so so as we're wrapping up, um, and I want to give you the outtake, but um, make sure <laughs> this is this is what I know you're already thought, thinking about. But I'll just for the uh, your fire, make sure that the the county uh, executives and leaders and the regional and the state and frankly the federal folks recognize that. As part of infrastructure that, you know, y'all going to need some additional money to help in that process, because that's where you're going to really, you know, use your superpowers to get those folks involved in terms of making sure that monies are coming through to take care of the roads. But, yeah, we got to we got to fix the dog on roads and bridges. And I got a text message from my brother in law and my sister in law earlier today about just some of the bridges that are just so messed up throughout the city of Chicago and the surround everywhere. But that's a whole nother. Maybe we'll talk about that when we have you on again and have you 
hopefully in studio in a couple of weeks um, on the family meeting. But Natalie, take us away with how folks can reach you, when your election, what's your election date, and just how folks can find out um, and follow you. You got it. So the election is April 4th, but early voting has already started. So if you need information about that, uh, you can go to my website, which is elect Natalie Ziemba, and that's Z I E M B A dot com, elect Natalie Ziemba. I can also be found on Facebook, Facebook, elect Natalie Ziemba. So I'm keeping it simple. If you can find me there on Facebook, you can also find me uh, on my website. And I have a contact section as well on my, on my website. So if you've got questions or if you want to, you know, give me some suggestions or advice, I'm open to it. And uh, please reach out. Please contact me. I, I love to hear from people. You know, whether you're in Woodstock or not, uh, please engage with me. Absolutely. Make sure you, uh, you Natalie, reach out to Allison and you guys start to put together your energies collectively for your uh, respective elections on the 4th. Listen, guys, it's been a joy having the notorious ZMB on the Joan Esposito Show. Um, thank you, Natalie, for calling in and being with us today. The number is 773-763-9278. We're going to take a quick break. And again, Natalie, thanks for hanging with us today. You got it, Richard. Thanks for having me. Bye now. Joan Esposito, live, local, and progressive on WCPT Willow Springs is powered by ComEd. See how ComEd is preparing for a clean energy future at comed.com slash clean energy. Now back to Joan Esposito, live, local, and progressive on WCPT 820. And we are back. This is Joan Esposito's alter ego, Richard Chu, one of the co-hosts of the family meeting on WCPT. Lady, Lady B laughed at that one. But I'm sitting in today for Joan, who's... Um, Got her heels kicked up. She's probably out there sending a bunch of tweets out. I saw her, like I said earlier, earlier, earlier. I saw her. Um, she's been blasting a few people on social media about some of their stupidity. Uh, and it's been, Joan has been spot on. But I'm here today with, with the help of Lady B. We've got a caller that's been patiently waiting. We tried to reach him earlier. Arturo from Mount Prospect. Welcome to the show. Hi, Richard. Great to talk with you today. You too, my man. What's going on? Uh, well, I wanted to address a lot of the questions you had here, but before I got started on that, I also wanted to comment on something that you started the show about, and that was the whole issue of voter turnout. Uh, as a election judge myself, uh, I, I see this as a really serious issue for the country as a whole, because as you know, not only are the local elections uh, showing very poor turnout, but but the national elections are equally as poor, and, and that's a serious problem for the entire country. Yep. And the, the other thing about that, and, and the sad reality of the, uh, talking specifically about the city, is the fact that a large majority of those people that aren't showing up to vote, these are police officers, firefighters, union representatives, teachers, and they're just flat out not showing up. And to me, that's shameful. I really believe that it's pathetic when when people that work so closely on a regular basis in the city uh, decide that it's not important to show up to vote. That's a, that's just sad, and it, it it says a lot about us as a nation. And it's un, it's unfortunate that something can't be done. I would love to see some kind of mechanism to uh, basically allow 
people to find out or post who doesn't show up to vote. And so these people that, and I, I'm convinced of this, a large majority of these people that sh- don't show up to vote are the first ones to complain about something not being done. Arturo, something's wrong with that. L- let me jump in the car with you on that. So Eric Grant, who's the host of the family meeting, says this so often, and I agree, and I stated it on family meeting, I stated it here on Joan and Santita's show, respectively, that there's some conversation to be had about uh, making voting in America mandatory. And um, if you have a Social Security number, you got to vote in all elections in your where in your where you live and on the national level. And and, you know, my, I was I was queried appropriately by a relative that said, well, what would be the punishment if people didn't vote? I don't know the answer to that. And I'm sure we could come up with something that's creative and, and effective to inspire people rather than punish them for not voting, but to inspire them to vote. But you're right on. I mean, would you say, and I know I'm asking you a loaded question, but uh, would you say that there has become a national depression on voting? And some of that's driven by uh, some of this hard right um you know, conversation about our government systems on a federal, regional, local level don't work. And so some of the depression isn't because we don't have inspiring candidates, but it's because the governmental system across the board has been made less appealing by many of those who want to depress voting. I I absolutely agree with that, Richard. And I'm going to tell you, I'll take one step further than that. I believe strongly that there is a a group of individuals, and and I'm not going to name names, but that their primary function is to make it difficult for voting. And in in addition to the fact that they make it difficult, they, they pay to ensure that um, the negative narrative is pressed throughout the nation uh, on media outlets, and, and the media plays into it as well. I mean, you you yourself know this uh, because you know you're right there. But it's clearly obvious to to folks like myself, voters that, and you know, election judges like myself that see this um, this kind of view of. Oh, the government is not going to work for you, or uh, don't even bother to show up because you know your vote doesn't mean anything, and and you know that whole line, and 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 that's unfortunate because it really does an injustice to our nation. It really does. Yeah, I and, agree. And so I, 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 I think it's a real problem for us, and I think that we need to do something if it means you know making it mandatory. I'm all for that. If it means embarrassing people by, <laughs> by exposing the fact that they don't, you know, show up to vote, put put a, you know, everybody in every automatic uh, ward, put out all the people that didn't bother to show up to vote. And then those people that, that like to talk about the mayor and how bad a job she's doing or the alderman about how bad a job he's doing. Where were you? You were of that 70, 74% of people that didn't show the hell up. So you need to be quiet because if you didn't show up, you look to your point earlier, Arturo, you kind of lose your leg to stand on to complain about stuff if you don't show up to vote. 
and I and I I'm of the of the same mindset. I have a very good friend that she's she says it a lot more um, uh, profane laced, but uh, you know where I'm where I'm going with that. But no, I I agree with you, Arturo. One of the things is that we've got to get people out to vote, and the, and and we've got to find a mechanism to get folks out to inspire people out to vote. And it's not just you know if the candidate is, is inspiring or not. Um, I think we, to some extent, and this may even link itself back to something that Cliff Schechter and I talked about earlier, and that's the horrible impact that um, that Fox has had on the psyche of America when it comes to um, civics. I'll put it that way, and how they have really, really, really negatively impacted millions of people, and now we find out that. Much of what they've been saying has been garbage. But, hey, listen, Arturo, I know you wanted to grab the, the quick questions, and I know I'm coming up on a little bit of a break. So hit me quick. Real three, real quick answers to the three questions. Go. All right. First things first, I thought that uh, Lightfoot was a great candidate. I think she, she um, uh, did a very good job in her first four years as mayor. It's unfortunate that, like I said, those – that, that group of city workers just bob- didn't even bother to come out and support her, which I think was a bad problem for her. But she, to, to, to be a little bit negative towards her, and I don't mean to be uh, that way because I think she did a good job overall, but I think that she didn't connect with the voters. And, mm-hmm. uh, and, and the, two ca- uh, the two guests that you had on, Allison and I think her name was Natalie. Right. Both of them, you could recognize the, the passion that they had right away. I mean, I was listening to them, and I could see that or hear that, while, how motivated they were. And I never saw that with Lightfoot. And, yeah. and, and maybe she's got the personality, and she just kept it in the closet. But I think that I, I never saw it. And so when you don't have that connection with voters, guess what? They're not going to show up for you. Yeah, that's a good point. And, and, you know, to to say that, I I think she reminded a lot of candidates or a lot of people uh, of Rahm Emanuel. If you know him and you know how he used to show up to uh, some of his political um, uh, areas or or, uh, some of his functions, he would just look like, you know, the stone face that he was. And and I saw that with her as well. Yeah. Um, And then uh, uh, I think uh, Lightfoot, uh, to get to your second uh, question, I think she's going to go with uh, uh, Brandon um, uh, Johnson mm-hmm. um, because of the minority vote. I believe Chewy, uh, I'm just going to go with the first two. Uh, Chewy is going to go with uh, Brandon as well uh, because of the same reason, the minority uh, reasoning. Um, and then the, the third uh, question uh, had to do with Vallis. I think Vallis will win um, because I think, uh, unlike um, the city vote uh, with uh, all the city workers, they're all going to show up to vote for Vallis, and and he's going to get a lot of money. I think you started the show with uh, a lot of money from the suburbs, you know, Mount Prospect, where I'm at. I'm sure there's going to be a lot of money flooding into the city for him. That's going to be a huge reason why he should win running away. I don't I don't give much chance to Brandon, although I'd love to see you know, a candidate uh, like him come along, uh, I just don't see it happening, uh, not with the white vote and not with the suburban money coming in. Uh, that's the way I see that. All right. And to close out, to close out, I will say that your your decision or your input on Fox News, I believe that the media has to step in collectively and go after Fox. Um, that's what playing, I'm talking uh, about. 
That yeah, it, yeah I mean Arturo, that, that they've got to lean into that. The, the other folks in the in the industry, if they care about messaging and media, they've got to lean in and lean hard against what the, what Fox has been found out, which so many of us have known for such a long time. But Arturo, listen, man, thank you for calling in. Thank you for your your response. Uh, give us a call back anytime. We love having our, our listeners call in uh, and and have a great and safe weekend. Um, the number is seven seven three seven six three nine two seven eight. We're going to be wrapping up shortly, but we're going to go to a quick break, Lady B. Should we go? All right, guys, we're going to go to a quick break. Ted, I see you. We're going to get you on the backside. This is Richard Chu sitting in for the Joan Esposito. We'll be right back. Join us for a conversation about living our best lives during the WCPT Health and Wellness Panel, Thursday, March 9th from 4 to 6 p.m. I'll be joined by my co-hosts, Santita Jackson and Patty Vasquez, as we engage health and wellness specialists in the integration of Eastern and Western medicine. Sponsored by Great Lakes Clinical Trials, Chicago Community Acupuncture, Digestive Health Solutions, Mark Drugs, and the Science of Spirituality. Turn that dial. Joan Esposito. Live, local, and progressive returns right now on WCPT 820. Hey, guys, we're back. This is Richard Chu sitting in for Joan Esposito. We're going to grab a quick call. My man Ted in Bensonville. What You say you've got some follow-up on what Arturo said. What's going on, Ted? I do, Richard. Hey, thanks for taking my call. Always appreciate your soothing voice. <laughs> Thank you, man. Topic. So what's going on? What, what are your thoughts? And I hate, well, I hate to end it this way, but I, I got I, I, I got an answer for Arturo's. What's perplexing him is the reason that all these city workers and and yeah, the you know as, as noble as they are, teachers and policemen and fire fighters, all that. The reason they don't show up is because they have a guaranteed check for life, no matter who's <laughs> in office. Let's be honest. That's you right. Know, gorilla in the room, and I bring this up because of. Uh, you know, I'm a guy, independent contractor, made it on my own. Now I'm retired, and they talk about cutting my my humble Social Security. And they should never talk about cutting Social Security without looking at those giant, you know, almost full salary when they were at their peak. Mm-hmm. Checks for life. And, and in fact, in Illinois, I, I think I've even heard where they're guaranteed in the Constitution their pension, something like that. Yeah. So there you go. No matter who's, I mean, I know of all kinds of union people, you know, who vote Republican. I just can't believe that. <laughs> but I can when I think of. Come on, no Ted. You know why? You know why that is? Come on, man. I do. I just told you why. Absolutely. That's it right. Matter. That's right. Got their check for life, baby. That's you it. Know, that's it. Check for life. You've been doing okay otherwise. Yeah, Richard. That's the only thing that really gets me fired up because all I ask is for peace here at the end. I've. I've all my life given, and uh, you know, one, uh, you know, Social Security is not is not just given. I contributed almost up to eighty percent as an independent contractor. Yep. It's very humble. I took it at sixty two. It's something like twenty G's a year. People are going to look at that, and it's not all I have, Richard. Thank God, you know, by God's will, and my wife and I working real hard together, living below our means and saving. Yep. But on the principle of it, to think of touching that. After everything I've tried to do, right, working hard, raising a family, being a good American, trying, you know, to talk about cutting into that. Yeah. And I just want to say, you know, don't even talk about cutting into that without looking at the giant checks for life. You know, look at your property tax bill after paying for the schools. Number two is for paying for all the retentions for the retired, you know, workers at your municipality. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, come on. 
I hear you, Ted. That's why they don't show up. Yeah. Thanks, Richard. I appreciate it. Hey, man, have a safe weekend and stay safe with this weather that's supposedly coming. All right, man, good to hear from you. Thanks a lot. All right. So what he just said, I'm going to expound on it real quickly, is is kind of a a little bit of our closing of today. Um, And I want to thank everybody that called in as a listener. And I want to thank Natalie, um, the notorious ZMD, for calling in as a guest, and Allison Longenbaugh for calling in as a guest. Both of those uh, wonderful women are running for city council in Naperville and um, in uh, Woodstock, respectively. So get out and support them. You don't have to live there to support them. They're strong candidates, and you can hear their passion about what they believe in for their community and the greater um, counties that they're in and, and the region and, and so forth. So please support both of them. Um, but what I, what I wanted to say about Social Security since, um, since um, my man Ted leaned into this is that from an economic standpoint, we have to make the business case about around Social Security. We, you know, we look at the numbers of people who are who currently receive Social Security benefits. Currently receive them. If Social Security were taken away, this is just 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 take this on. And I know a lot of people want to talk about it. Yeah, but it's it's affecting our national budget. And blah. okay, I get that. But economically, as a business case, we are a consumer-driven economy. There's no getting around that. And if you take away Social Security, now that doesn't mean that it doesn't need to be adjusted or reviewed. I get that. But to take it away would be taking away the income for millions of Americans. And if that number, that I'm sorry, if that money's not there, then think about our economy. Not our financial markets, but think about our economy. Here's a simple thing. I mean, Lady B, let's just say that a person is retired and they have X amount of money coming in from Social Security. And let's say that that's 50% of their income from Social Security and then they've got other things like Ted just said. But suddenly that's gone. Let's say that their home is paid for, their kids are through college, they have minimal debt, you know, maybe a car payment and they've got a few, but nothing crazy. So the majority of what happens with that money is it spent? And I know evidentiary from people that I work with as, a, as an advisor. So if you take that money away from them, 50% of what they have coming in, that doesn't just affect their budget. That affects the country's economic scale. And when I hear these yahoos running around talking about we've got to you know, fix, cancel, get rid of the entitlements, that's a slap in the face. But it's also financially stupid. And if I were invited to Capitol Hill to talk about Social Security, I would make the business case as to why it doesn't make sense to take it away. Work on it, tighten it up, strengthen it, all those words, great. But to take it away is absolutely, it's cutting your, no, I shouldn't say that. Taking it away would be detrimental to our, our economic, um, the way that our economies run. It, the math, the math proves it out time and time again. But nobody really wants to have that conversation because then it gets into people going, oh, yeah, but you want to keep entitlements. They, Like Ted said, they contributed to it. They earned the ability to have that money. So anyhow, let's grab one more call before we wrap up. We got Dave calling from Hoffman Estates. What's going on, Dave? How you been? Hey, Richard. <clears throat> on that with the voting, why don't they treat it like uh, jury service? Mm-hmm. Like if, if a person works, they bring back proof that they went. And then they get, you know, basically uh, That's a, yeah. wages for your day. And then uh, if you're unemployed or retired, you figure out what is uh, 
uh, nominal wage for, you know, whatever, and uh, and then get cut him a check or whatever for one day. Wow. I got to. I got. I have an in law that 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 wanted to know what would we do, and as I'm sure there's many people that have, that want to know. Since Eric and I, I'll, Eric first and me second, introduced that as a concept, at least as far as we know, that's actually a great idea, um, Dave, to to have it be like jury duty, um, and 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 how to track it is to say we use that same mechanism. That's a brilliant idea. Wow. I think you get a few more people out voting. Dave, Dave, you know, I I I would challenge somebody to challenge that because. You're absolutely right. That would definitely um, that would definitely get a few more people out to vote. Dave, I got to tell you, man, as we're wrapping up, you get to move to the front of the class on that one. <laughs> well, maybe we'll talk to, uh, Sunday. All right, man. Be safe these next All couple right, of days well. with this crazy weather. All right, Dave. Talk to you soon. He makes a good point, Lady yeah. B. That's a, that's um, like jury duty. We've already got a, a mechanism in place. Just let's just add something to that. Because voting is, it, it's, it's abhorrent how low the numbers are. And maybe we do need something that's a soft encouragement to get people out on, in all elections. Um, but, you know, I'm not going to take credit for what Dave said, but I'm definitely going to talk about it. It's been great being here today. I, I got to tell you, whenever Lady B and I get to hang out, it's always fun because she keeps it real. She keeps it fun. A couple of things I want to throw out to everybody as we get we're coming down to the last couple of minutes. Um, gas prices are down. I, I pulled up the AAA data. Gas prices are down, y'all. I don't care what anybody says. Um, they are down across the board. Regular, mid-grade, premium, diesel, E85, they're all down. That needs to be recognized because going into spring and summer last year, those on the right and some, frankly, on the, on the left or in the middle, were losing their minds about what the president isn't doing to fix gas prices. Well, first of all, y'all need to understand that is not the president's job. Secondly, weather's crazy from what we're hearing. I want everybody to be safe in your travels, going and coming. Take care of those you love. Hug the folks you love. I know that sounds esoteric, but trust me, it works. It's been great being here today, sitting in for the great Joan Esposito. I'm Richard Chu. This is a Joan Esposito show. You guys be safe this weekend. I am out.